Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Hancock International Endurance Series on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Josef Kral leads the motor race in number 11, the Ferrari 488 of Bohemia Energy racing with Scuderia Praha. And the GPX racing Porsche of Nicky Pastorelli is in second place. And now we are back to green. There are just 26 seconds separating those cars, and I think that is an accurate reading now that we've got back to full speed. Uh, the latest sector for the Ferrari is respectable at around about 35 seconds, and it was a good final sector as well for Pastorelli in the number 24 car. So, yes, that's a, a real-time gap between the two leading cars after 295 laps. Robert Renauer is third, and in fourth place, it's Jochen Krumbach. It's uh, Robert Renauer, who is the uh, the guy that has lost out, isn't it? Because uh, he'd lost out in any case because of the pace of Nicky Pastorelli, and uh, he'd already made his pit stop. Then, with the Code 60, a further two pit stops made by Herbert under Code 60, and that um, put him further behind Pastorelli than he was already. And the gap now between... Uh, him and the second place car is very nearly a minute and it is over a minute obviously then um, back to the race leader so uh, Herbert put on the back foot a little bit by that code 60 um, although I have to say that um, the Scuderia Praha team very efficient indeed in the pits doing uh, the job of getting the car uh, fettled and then back out again very quickly indeed Yes, and um, if you're looking at the timing screen from timeservice.nl, the two purple pit stop times are still ticking away because they are the two cars that were troubled effectively by that tour, brought the Code 60 out. Uh, the 34 Audi, which only made it back to the pits because of a flatbed, and I'm uh, impressed that the transponder still registers, even when it's several feet up in the air, the race car, <laughs> And also, Jimmy DeBroker's rather broken and rather smoky-smelling, rather covered in uh, extinguisher QSR Racing School Mercedes. And Jimmy did not sound too hopeful that that car would be able to continue, although the team, I think, are going to uh, look into it, maybe work on it for half an hour or more, and then assess further. Yeah, I think the uh, the presence of that garage door being brought down, though, is uh, is significant. Uh, whilst it's not necessarily uh, a si sign of retirement, it was certainly a uh, signal of their uh, unwillingness to, to continue. Uh, just go back to how the Herbert team lost all that time. Uh, two pit stops during the Code 60 for the Herbert car. Uh, one of them was 2 minutes and 20 seconds. The other one was 2 minutes and 10 seconds. Now, compare those to the two pit stops that were made by Scuderia Praha in the same Code 60 period. 1 minute 58 and 1 minute 06. So, practically 2 minutes uh, of a gain under Code 60 
just on the time in the pit stop. Obviously, you're not going to make up any time going around the circuit at 60 kilometers an hour because 60 kilometers an hour is 60 kilometers an hour. But where the Scuderia Praha team has made up its advantage there has been by coming into the pits. And whatever they did was really short. Now, I just wonder whether Herbert sneaked in a little brake change whilst they were coming in there. Um, and by doing the brake change under code 60 conditions, they're now good to go to the end of the race. Whereas Scuderia Praha might still have that brake change to do. Um, now that's a little bit of uh, um, detective work that Diana's going to have to do, or Joe Bradley, depending which of them is. Uh, if Joe's going down now, that might be a job for Joe then. Yeah. Um, he'll relish that. I hope he's listening um, <laughs> as he's preparing. Um, so find out if Herbert sneaked a little brake change in whilst we were under code 60 there. And if they did, um, have Scuderia Praha done one as well? Because I don't think they have, because they won't have had time. Um, but uh, Herbert could well have done. And as uh, I think Diana said at the time, there was so much going on in the pits that it was hard to keep track of everything that was happening. And as well, of course, she was trying to chase down what had happened over at turn one on the circuit. So there was plenty going on. Yeah, certainly, and uh, those uh, brake changes can happen so quickly these days. They are very easily uh, missed, overlooked. So, But the nice thing is about, about all of these teams that take part in the 24H series, they will tell you, well, generally speaking, you go and ask them and they'll tell you. So uh, we will do a little bit of research as far as that is concerned. But we're now at exactly 10 o'clock local time as cars negotiating turn one now have to drive over quite a bit of quick dry which has been laid down to soak up that oil but that might be causing one or two visibility problems and also th that substance that powder actually needs to be worked into the track surface to fully soak up the oil or whatever's been dropped down there so that's going to take a few laps to become fully grippy again 10 hours done 14 hours still to go and it is the ferrari of bohemia energy racing that leads the way but just by 26 seconds now over the gpx racing porsche of nikki pastorelli and jordan groger and alexandre cugno we're yet to see jean-pierre valentini and expecting to see him in the daylight tomorrow but only needs to do two hours remember However, until those two hours are done, you could argue that the 24 car is in a little bit of a false position because we haven't seen any AM driving hours for that car just yet. But the pros and semi-pros, the, the pro and the semi-pros, have been doing a splendid job so far in the second place Porsche. Herbert Motorsports Porsche, driven by Robert Renauer, is in third, number 91. Fourth is the 22 Wockenspiegel Team Monschau Ferrari. That's also a pro car, as is the Edex Sport Mercedes, number 17, which is fifth. So a bank of five pro cars. That's all of the entered cars in A6 Pro. And then the next three are A6 AMs. Another Herbert Motorsport Porsche is the class leader, number 93, ahead of the CP Racing Mercedes 85, and the Toxport WRT, although not that WRT of Belgium, a different one. And that's the Mercedes AMG, number 15, which is in third in the A6 AM category. The guest entry, number 500, the new Mercedes-AMG GT3, is running in ninth place overall. That's an SP4 car. Herbert complete the top ten with another A6 AM machine. And in 11th position, the final one of the A6 AM entries is the 34-car collection car. However, that car is now in the garage, receiving quite a bit of attention after Max Edelhoff's uh, mount ground to a halt between turns one and two lacking any power 
Duvo Racing's Porsche is the best 991 class car. That's a 909 numbered machine ahead of the MRS GT Racing 980 entry. And then the 911 race number is belongs as usual to Porsche Lorient Racing. Sometimes they have 911 and 912, but it's just the single car that they've brought to Portugal this weekend. That's third in the class. In GT4, Hoffa Racing by Bonk Motorsport lead that division with the number 50 BMW M4 GT4. Currently driving the 50 car is Thomas Jaeger, the Austrian version of Thomas Jaeger, that is. Uh, SPX is led by Leipert Motorsport with the 710 Mercedes. Parcalga Racing second in GT4 with their 412 Mercedes. And two more SPX cars. The QSR Racing School machine could, could be a retirement. We'll wait and see. Coroiser Racing's Mark also involved in that incident. So, of course, they were they were cars from the same class as well that, uh, well, by the sounds of things, didn't hit one another, but were off in virtually the same gravel trap just moments ago. Third in GT4, Pro Sport Performance's Aston Martin Vantage. That's also had dramas relating to the ABS system. And then uh, the Team Virage Aston Martin completes the GT Series lineup in 21st spot. TCEs is led by the uh, top car sport by Baz Cooten Racing Cupra. The 131 car is being driven by uh, being driven by Anti Burry again, uh, having completed 273 laps. Autorama Motorsport by Wolf Power Racing is second in the TCRs, the 112 VW Golf GTI. Nordschleifer Racing's Peugeot is third, the 172 308 Racing Cup car. AC Motorsport with their 188 numbered Audi RS3 is fourth. And fifth place, back up to fifth, Red Camel Jordans.nl, which is the fifth place of the TCRs as well. So that means that both A3 cars are together on the timing screen for TCE Series. Synchro Motorsport, though, with a huge advantage over the Hoffa Racing by Bonk Motorsport BMW. So Honda FK8 leads BMW M240i. That's how we stand with uh, 14 hours to go. Five past ten at night in just less than a couple of hours. We will have reached half distance. And that's one of the benefits of starting at midday, I suppose. <laughs> you know, you get to Sunday morning, just a minute past midnight, and you think, oh, halfway there. A, a bit more of the races uh, elapsed. Yes, it's uh, it's one of those things, isn't it? You never quite know. Uh, um, but you know, there are different milestones. And uh, yeah. getting to midnight is, uh, is always a milestone. Getting into daylight hours is uh, also... Uh, going to be a milestone but then once it is daylight then uh, the race will only go on until midday so time to go for lunch uh, on Sunday um, fastest lap of its race so far by Martin Bent Byford in the Synchro Motorsport Honda uh, as we go back to green conditions there two minutes 3.320 for the Synchro car uh, so that's going uh, very well and uh, just Actually, no, let's go down to Joe uh, Bradley now, who's in the uh, uh, car collection garage, and he'll tell us what's going on. Yeah, I, I got your info on the, uh, the brake change on the Ferrari and the Porsche as well, which I'll find out for you after I've updated you, you on would. the number 34 you car would. collection. Um, you probably gathered by the way the car just looked like it ground to a halt. There was more uh, airing towards an electrical problem. That's exactly what it is. It's an electrical problem that the team are working on. They thought they'd gotten to the bottom of it. They thought they'd found the culprit. It was one of the main relays on the car. They've replaced that. However, still a problem. And they are struggling to find out what, whether it is what they thought it was. 
Um, on saying that, the car has just lit up and the position boards have come alive. So maybe they're getting towards finding out exactly what it is. Because before that, before the, literally this second, um, the car was still dead. You may not know this, Joe, but was there any warning at all for Max Edelhoff or for other drivers no. earlier on in the race? Or is this just a problem that's appeared out of nowhere? No, nah, just the car just stopped, literally stopped, just died. And the car just ground to a halt and the car's been recovered back uh, on a flatbed. So it's one of those horrible problems where you really need to uh, just go through a, a checklist, a process, a diagnostic process, which they've done. They thought they'd nailed it. It wasn't that part. And now they're moving on further with the diagnostic process. Yeah, they're horrible, those processes, because you never know where they're going to end. You don't really know where to start, but it's just a process of elimination and hope you're going to get lucky. But sometimes it's, well, invariably, it's the last thing you check or try, isn't it? Because you've run out of ideas. It, it has to be that. Well, and it, then when it's not that, ooh. that's really the time to worry. <laughs> Um, so I had a slight uh, moment there because we had four abreast down the start finish straight just then. Blimey. Uh, in as, the dark? Uh, yeah, in the dark, four abreast. Uh, Josef Kral was uh, on the inside like, line um, and I was so busy trying to look out for him. I didn't see who else was uh, coming down the start finish straight, but it was, uh, it was all fairly exciting and uh, shows you that people are still pressing on. Um, yes, of course, if uh, it's not the last thing you look for, then why do you carry on working on it after you've found what it is? So it does tend to be. It's like when you always find something in the last place you look. Because True. once you've found it, you why don't would keep you carry on, on. Why would you carry on looking? Um, no, you might start with a sheet of paper with ten ideas and, um, uh, you know, yes, it could yes. be the second one. Exactly. But invariably, it's the yeah, tenth. It's, yes, no, that, in that sense, it's certainly true. Um, I was going to run down, when you were going through the order in TCR, I thought actually what we need to know is the gaps, because uh, TCR is, as you said, being led by the top car, Baz Coop and Cupra, uh, which still hasn't been driven, talking about uh, Anne Drivers, still hasn't been driven by Ronnie Yost. Um, so Antti Bury is back at the wheel of the TCR leader number 131, and he has three laps of an advantage over number 112, the Auto Rama VW Golf. Uh, and then a further eight laps of an advantage back to the Peugeot. So it's two laps back to uh, the VW Golf and then eight laps back to the Peugeot. Uh, and then the Audi of AC Motorsport with Sam de Jong at the wheel, a further lap behind that. So uh, the gaps in TCR are fairly big and the car that perhaps has the most to gain uh, is the AC Motorsport Audi, number 188, the one that's had various problems along the way. Yes, uh, that's not been a great race for the 188 when they've had some very good results uh, earlier on in the season the 12-hour races have gone well were they winners at spa the 188 car or they, they were either winners or second yes um, well then again we've had the we've had all to rama motorsport doing very well and certainly winning at dubai i think they then went on to win Mugello as well and actually, now thinking about it, they might have made it three in a row. I will check those results, obviously, yeah. now. But, um, yeah, in terms of uh, championship standings, the uh, championship in the touring cars is held by Autorama and AC Motorsport down in fifth place in the championship. Um, so, yes, a, a highly fancied team, but has had not a great season thus far. Um, now... Um, but as I say, they do have uh, everything to gain by pushing on as hard as they can. And yes. uh, so relatively early in the race, still with uh, over 
nearly 14 hours still to go, not over, but under 14 hours still to go. Uh, there's still plenty to uh, go. The, um, uh, the number 34 car collection Audi is underway, Johnny. It is, and uh, Joe uh, spotted that car coming out of the garage, so it has electrical life once again, and it is now in the fueling area. I've uh, managed to remind myself of previous results in the TCR class, so I will hold back on those in just a second, then we'll reel them off for the season so far. But first of all, to Joe in the pits. Uh, I found out the answer to the brakes on the Herbeth car. They have changed the brakes um, on the front of the 94, not on the 91. I was then making my way down to the Ferrari pit to answer that question, uh, uh, the same question down there. However, I've stopped at Synchro because something's happening on the 676. They uh, came dashing out of the garage. They've got the marker board out. That I don't think this is scheduled. Is this, this has caught you by surprise, Steph. Is it a problem? Potentially, yes. Um, it's a bit mixed messages on the radio. Might be the drive shaft again. He's in the gravel, I believe. Is he? he, he yes, was, I'm being told he's in the gravel. Oh, okay. And now he's out. And now Thanks for the update, that helps. Um, Down to the gravel, that I mean. Um, we, he thinks this drive shaft is struggling with the pedal. Fingers crossed and hope for the best. Right, yeah, I think he's trying. Martin's doing his best to get. He's in the pit lane. I'll leave you to it, Steph. Um, he's been. Uh, he's driving. Did you say deliberately, JP? Off the track, I think. Off the track yeah. to keep it out of the way. That's right, to stay out of the way of everybody else. And actually, it shortens the distance that Martin has to drive to the pit lane too. I mean, there's quite a lot of... On the inside of turns 14 and 15, the last two right-handers, you can go off onto, onto runoff, effectively, which is either painted concrete or, or painted asphalt. And that's exactly what Martin was doing, just to stay out of the way of everybody. But the car now arriving on the scene, Joe. Looks to be down on that. Is it down on the left side? Yeah, it does look a bit like that, JP. Um, the thing in Mar uh, Martin Byford at the wheel um, is reporting drive shaft, so it's got a limited slip diff in this car, we know that. So it would still get drive if one of the drive shafts went. Uh, Dan Whaley there, ready to jump in. What normally happens is the driver will get out and the new driver will get in while the work goes on around him. Um, we kind of, Alan James was wanting to preempt this by changing drive shafts, wasn't he? Now, I'm just thinking it's drive shafts because that's what Steph said. It might not be. It might be a broken suspension or could be anything. But yeah. this is, you know what? We thought the A3 race was over. It's not, is it? It's never over until it's over. And this is a prime example of what a Jewish race is about. Because even though they've, you know, they've got a, effectively a four and a half hour lead over the BMW in this class. This four and a half hours can just whiz by if this 676 Honda Civic has an issue. That's gonna maybe, you know, an engine change, uh, diff change, something like that, that can cost it a lot of time in the pits. Martin's just stepped out of the car, Martin Byford, and obviously in conversation with Dan Wheeler, he sort of said, well, I was driving along, and then all of a sudden, and then he snapped his body to the left as if, you know, to yeah. illustrate something going or the car just dropping uh, its tail out. And it, it, he was definitely in the gravel, Martin Byford, on that inlap. 
uh, and then after that deliberately drove off the track in order to not uh, obstruct anybody else behind, realising he was nowhere near race pace. But I'm just trying to work out where that gravelly moment was. That's coming through turn 14, I think. And uh, he was then trying to get into the uh, coned-off pit lane entrance, realised that yeah, wouldn't yeah, yeah. work, okay. drove across the grass, uh, and then came into the proper pit lane entrance because um, there's a bit of a chicane in the uh, other pit lane entrance that was being offered to yes. him. Sort of similar to the start of the lap where you can uh, add one or two motorcycle um, chicanes into the configuration. Joe, though, is right with Martin, who is straight out of the car. Go ahead, go ahead Joe. Uh, we suspect from your body language there when you were describing it to Dan that something broke on the left. Yeah, turn into turn one and uh, click. Um, yeah, uh, pedal, brake pedal went to the floor at turn three. Uh, so, yes, yeah, a, a little bit built and built. Yeah, a little bit entertaining for a few seconds. Uh, yeah, looks like the uprights let go. Um, we've got one built up, so we'll get one on there fairly quickly. Hopefully the caliper's okay. Uh, we'll be good to go again. It's, it, it's possibly the slowest, most drawn-out class battle. We've got a four-and-a-half-hour lead. That four-and-a-half-hour lead is now ebbing away. And yet it's like, it's quite exciting, isn't it, that you guys... You guys knew that you may have four and a half hours, but anything can happen. And anything is happening, Mark. What's your saying? This is endurance. Yes. What can you say? Yes. I also say there's a soap opera behind every garage door, which is beginning to develop. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it will be a pretty straightforward fix. The guys know what they're, they're on it already. Um, I was talking to them on the way back on the radio, and pretty much straight away they, came, they think, OK, we know what that is. They get parts out by the time I got here. So they're on it. They'll get it fixed. We'll get back out. As crazy as it sounds, you kind of begin to feel a bit insecure with only a two-hour lead. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is a bit tight, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Fine. All right, um, so you did a great job getting the car back. How tricky was that? Uh, well, the worst thing was that the brake pedal kept going to the floor, and no matter how much I pumped it up, it wouldn't come back. Obviously, the hub and the disc is all moving around and pushing the pads out. So it's like pump, 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 and seven or eight pumps was finally you get a little bit of pedal. So, um, yeah, every time you wait for the brake pedal, it was just nothing there. And you, you feel like you're kind of cruising, just get it back, don't do anything silly. You're still doing 70, 80 miles an hour. But it feels slow. feels very slow compared to when you're on the pace. Uh, suddenly, 70, 80 miles an hour with no brake pedal at all, you arrive at corners quickly. So, yeah, so a bit, bit tricky. I think you used a few shortcuts as well. Did you have a look at the circuit in the daylight and think, yep, I might need to go across there? I didn't, but you know what, turning into that last turn there, I had it in my mind, I'm going to be crawling. And the GT3 cars come over the brow there at some liquor's pace. I thought it's just safer to get off the, off the racing line, get onto that yellow. I didn't know what was over there, but I knew it was tarmac. So I thought, well, I'm pretty safe over there, just get off the, off the, the racing line. I don't want to think something coming over the crest 100, 100 miles an hour faster than me behind me. So, yeah. Heads up, Martin. Good job. Talk to you later. So there we are. Their four and a half hour lead is down to four and a half, four hours and 15, yeah. is it? Well, yeah, but I, I think your point about it, if it ever did come become two hours, you know, considering how much they had in, the, in hand, if it suddenly slashed to half, then uh, that would get their attention. But, sorry, Joe. Johnny, it's like being down to your last two million in the bank, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. It's like you get very insecure I having know. had well, 20 million about, in the bank. You know all about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty bad analogy, to be honest. <laughs>
<laughs> it's all relative, I think, is the old saying. Um, and, but, yeah, if they've got an upright ready and built up to fit to the car, that shouldn't be, fingers crossed, a lengthy pit stop for Synchro Motorsport. Um, just going to remind everybody, then, the results so far in the TCR category. Dubai was won by the 112 Autorama Motorsport crew. It's a slightly different lineup uh, back in January, but nevertheless, it's the car in the team's championship that gets the points. They won it from a, a Bas Kooten racing Audi. In Mugello, it was a win again for that uh, car. Fabian Dance, Jan Sorensen, Christian Jepsen on that occasion. And they won from the AC Motorsport Audi. So that's the good result, I remember, in Italy in March, second place. Um, in the Spa 12 hours, it was actually a win for two of the brokers, Evo and Rick and Francis Chia in the 101 Red Camel Jordans Cupra, and they won that from Autorama Motorsport, but it was a podium finish for AC Motorsport at their home event in Belgium. And then we had the race in Bruneau, which was another win for Autorama Motorsport. So, what was that, three wins in a second place? Yeah. Very good for 112. Um, and 112 won from the 175 NKPP racing entry from Bas Kooten in the Czech Republic which is uh, why Alto Rama leads the team's championship in the TCR class uh, ahead of Baz Kooten Racing. But it's the Baz Kooten car that's not here this weekend, the 125 car, uh, which is second in the championship. And then Red Camel are third in the team's championship. Um, and at the moment, uh, the Red Camel's car is fourth in uh, sorry, fifth in TCR, and only a lap behind the AC Motorsport Audi, which is itself only a lap behind the Peugeot. So uh, there's only a lap separating third from fourth from fifth, um, but then uh, this eight-lap margin between second and third, and it's actually now gone up to three laps between the uh, leading Baz Kooten Carnival 131, the top car car, and the second-placed Autorama car. So it's still quite a big gap, first to second, in TCR. But uh, we'll say it before, we'll say it again, uh, a long way still to go. Yeah. But this, I think, would be first points of the season for top car, because I don't believe we've seen uh, that team in action before. Obviously, we've seen Baz Kooten prepared cars, but the 131 would be for the first time up for uh, teams' points and, indeed, uh, well, more drivers' points because we've certainly seen Anti Berry and Carrie Pecker Laxonen uh, taking part. And that's yeah. the interesting thing when you get team, when you get drivers switching between teams, you know, and you've got this individual drivers' championship and teams' championship, and they're scoring points at different rates depending on who they're with yeah. from one meeting to the next. Uh, and different point scoring possibilities depending yeah. on how many starters there are in your class. True. Uh, aren't you glad there aren't points at half distance? Because um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't introduce that idea. Somebody will <laughs> think, really oh, fantastic. 12-hour <laughs> yeah. points in a 24-hour race. We have had that before. Um, and they do do it in other series as well. Talking yeah. of Red Camel, they're in the pit lane with Henry Littig bringing the 101 car in for, uh, I think that will be a routine pit stop. Joe Bradley is no doubt down there. He is, and raring to go. Yeah, omnipresent as I am. Uh, there's going to be a driver change. Henry yes. Littig is Henry. getting out of the car, and it's Luke Breukers who's getting in. Yeah, Henry's and reached his two-hour limit. The, uh, the Jackman is the... Dubai, Daytona and Sebring winner, class winner. Dubai overall, 
remind us who that is, just uh, Rick Broikers, don't remember. Just Thank to you. remind everybody, it's the brother of the man who's getting in, the young man, 19-year-old Luke Broikers, and Coral ready off its jacks, new rubber, quite quite straightforward for them uh, for the Red Camels team, no issues. All the issues that this car has encountered, hopefully over. Oh, I'm seeing that with fingers and toes crossed. We're just doing the, the driver's belts now. The car is off the jacks and pretty much ready to go. It's going to be going down with a bit of urgency now. And again, the, uh, the belts have proved to be a bit of a problem before in this car. Remember, it was Rick who had to retrieve the belt from behind the seat and also the drinks bottle that needed refixing. Well, Luke's on his way. Luke Broke is on his way with uh, fresh rubber all round. So he'll be off to refueling. That Audi overall victory at Dubai, yes, one of the drivers was Rick Brokers, but I'm reminding myself another one of the drivers uh, in that lineup back in January was uh, a certain Fred Verviche. Uh, didn't didn't you, Paul, bump into his dad just knocking around in the pit lane? Uh, or no, something? it wasn't wasn't me. I think it was um, Joe Bradley. Who, it was Joe. Uh, who, who, that was me. Yeah, it uh, was a uh, gentleman Kip came up to me. He said, uh, "Hello, have you heard of uh, a driver called Verviche?" And I said. Frederick Vervish. He says yes. I said. He said. Uh, I said yes. Of course. He. Uh, he won. He was at Le Mans and he was. He won the. He won the touring car race at yes. the Nurburgring a week ago or whatever it was. And he said, "That's my son. My name is Fernand, Fernando Vervish. He's got a house close by." And he said he looked in. Uh, he looked in the local paper, saw that this event was on, and thought, "Oh yeah, we can do that." And off he came. Brilliant. Stuart, Stuart Cox is here as well. Yes, yeah, so uh, Stuart. Algar Pro Racing. Uh, yeah. Another. Um, are they based here, Paul? Uh, yes, they are. Y yes, they're, they're, um, Stuart just lives ten minutes down the road, so I think he actually uh, um, lives near the sea and uh, has a uh, has the dream job, doesn't he? Living in Portugal um, and uh, running racing cars as well. Well, I tell you another reason why actually the Vervishes will be in Portugal because they're racing at Villarreal this weekend. They've already uh, had a World TCR race today. Can I right. still say today? Yes, I can. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it wasn't great for Fred, 20th position. Right. Uh, but there'll be two more races to, to, for, for Fred and others to do tomorrow on a, a frightening street track. So, uh, yeah, busy weekend motorsport-wise in Portugal. And we're just a little bit south of that, not far from the Atlantic coast. Complete darkness now. Sunset officially was at three minutes to nine, and we're now uh, at 10.25. Uh, I want to go back to um, this question of brakes on the uh, Herbert Porsche. Not so concerned about the Ferrari, because they can't have done a brake change. They didn't have time. Um, but if the Herbert Porsche didn't do a brake change during that last Code 60, then I need to know why they spent so long in the pits, because uh, the... If, uh, if the um, the the Ferrari was able to do a much quicker um, pit stop, so the the pit stop for the Ferrari was much quicker. And if the Herbert Porsche didn't change its brakes, which Joe has said it didn't, mm. uh, then we need to know why it spent so long in the pits. Yeah, well, the Ferrari didn't, the Porsche didn't. So you know, it's, yeah, in a sense, standard stops in that respect. But that doesn't answer all of the questions. I completely yeah. realise that. Yeah. So we need to know if there was a problem which uh, Herbert was investigating on the number 91 car, which took that extra bit of time during the code 60s, because uh, it means that the car is in third place. Uh, Nicky Pastorelli has less fuel aboard on his Porsche than the Herbert car does. Um, so we're coming up towards a pit stop uh, with 
within the next 10 or 15 minutes for uh, Pastorelli. Um, and, um, but as I say, he's, uh, he did manage to jump the Herbert car um, whilst the Herbert car was spending longer in the pits. The gap between Herbert and the race leader, which of course is what concerns them, is over a minute and a quarter. Um, and the pace of Joseph Kral is nothing to be ashamed of at all. In fact, it's uh, more than a match for Nicky Pastorelli, because since we've gone back to green flag racing after that code 60, which was, what, about 15 laps ago, um, since we've gone back to code six uh, to green flag racing, Nicky Pastorelli hasn't closed at all on the race-leading Ferrari. The gap has stayed absolutely constant. So, uh, Ferrari... Scuderia Praha yet to be beaten at the uh, 24 hours of Portugal, of Portimao. Um, they've had two races before and uh, Scuderia Praha has won both of them. So you can either call that 100% record. But uh, it's two out of two and the third one in progress at the moment. And uh, the races at Bruno have gone pretty much that way historically too, haven't they? I mean, we made that point several times at the Bruno uh, circuit in the Czech Republic at the end of May. That's their home race, but uh, yeah, have made Portimao very much their own too. Although, as Paul says, only started in 2017, and 18 was a fairly curtailed affair with three hours taken out of the race because of a problem with the fueling area. So the race had to be red flagged uh, on that occasion. At the moment, we are on course certainly for. 700 plus laps 313 now completed uh, race lead still 26 and a bit seconds That's between Josef Kral and Nicky Pastorelli having been saying how well Pastorelli uh, how well Kral has been going Pastorelli that lap took two seconds off the race leader so possibly a little bit of traffic experienced for Josef Kral and the front brake discs of the 412 car now glowing in the complete darkness that's Paolo Pinheiro of Park Algar racing and their Mercedes Portuguese driver Portuguese team uh, and, and he I'm not sure if you were here at the time Johnny but uh, we've we established that pa Paolo Parquier Pinheiro uh, is the circuit owner um, he is the, uh, ah. remember on the grid when uh, Joe was talking to Edwards Lewis Browner and Edward said, oh, I've just been talking to Paolo. Um, and he it is who, uh, who built the circuit effectively, uh, Park Algar being the uh, circuit owners and Paolo is the Paolo behind the circuit owners. Has raced before uh, in a couple of one-off races in the FIA GT3 European Championship, but that was eight years ago and has done one block pan sprint race. So I think, okay, and I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those were actually here. Yes, the 2014 block pan race was here as well. So, so having uh, his first go in the 24 hours, though, from the sound of it. Uh, yeah, can't find any sign of... Let's just have, have a check. There were two sprint races, I think in 2011 in an SLS Mercedes. Yeah, just hour-long races. It looks like one Saturday, one Sunday, back in 2011, but always at this venue, uh, quite understandably. Here's Joe Bradley with uh, some further points. What have you got this time? I've got an update on the single job. The car, the 676 Honda, is already back out. And this 15. is what broke on, Mar on Martin Byford. 15 minutes into the session, or into this is, uh, the stop. This is the wheel stud that should be 
Hang on, I'm going to take this glove off because it's very hot. These things are very hot. That should go like that. This keeps the wheel on. That's where the wheel goes. You see these uh, these three wheel studs have snapped off. This is very hot still. That's why I'm wearing the glove. That's what broke. So once those three wheel studs, the wheel is just held on by two. Hang on. It held on by two. So the wheel was flopping around. So that's what Martin was describing. Um, I'm not really sure. Come here, Martin. We're going to put our engineer geek head on. So how was your brake pedal going down if it was just the wheel flopping around? The, the, disc, sits, the disc bell sits on the face of that. Ah, right, so the so, bell sits on that. Yeah. All right, OK. So once, once the wheel's loose, the bell is free to move around. Right, so the bell's free floating and the wheel keeps the bell on. Yes, yeah. So obviously any, any movement at all, once that's loose, the bell and the disc will, will float around much more than it's supposed to. So that's where the pad knockoff was coming from. So, yeah, yeah we just... Um, Glad that, glad that happened to turn one, not turn 15. How did you do that then? Have you been curbing it? Never. I'm not really this small. Hang on. Never. No. <laughs> Apparently they did have a, a similar issue at Spa uh, earlier in the season. So um, we think it might, just talking now, we think it might be the torque guns that we're using to do the nuts up. Might be just a little bit too much. So uh, I think from now on we'll probably just nip them up and then a torque wrench before we send the car. I mean, uh, uh, all right, it was it? half joking question about the curbs some tracks you've got to use the curbs it's hard not to use the curbs but here yeah, i would imagine you're keeping well off those curbs and especially the sausage curbs yeah with the sausage curbs you just say well away from you don't want to get anywhere near those but we're using kind of a little bit before that but that's all fairly benign it's all fairly smooth here while it has got a serration to it it's not as anywhere near as aggressive as aggressive as somewhere like Alton park so you kind of feel like while you're loaded away from that curb, you can ride it without any effect on the car. You know, with that, we're kind of wanting to look after the car, and we've had a discussion, look after the car. But uh, here we are. But we're fixed. We're back out. We've got a brand new hub back on it, and uh, we should be good to go. I think you're right with the over-tighten. I'm going to take this back. Hang on. <laughs> It's really still hot. Careful, careful. Ow, 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 that's hot. Nice shoes. So those things, nice shoes, by the way, Joe. Lovely shoes. You want a new pair, don't you? Those things that have sheared, they're the wheel studs, are they? Rather than, you know, we were talking about pegs earlier on and the pegs that had sort of moulded to Coroiser's Mark II. They are the studs, the wheel nuts that go in and are tightened up, as you were explaining. Yeah, rem remember that the, the Synchro car is a, a production-based car, whereas the, um, the Mark Car V8, that's, a, that's got a race car hub with a centre-lock wheel. So those oh, yeah. pegs that we saw earlier are like locating pegs, so you get the central wheel nut on. This is more like your road car, where you have five studs and the, the wheel nut tightens to the stud. It's the actual stud that's broke off. They've just snapped shade. It happens. It happens. Like Martin said, it happens. Yeah, and uh, when you get three of the five going. The car is 85% road standard. The car as we run it is 85% road standard. Yeah, I think, you've I think you guys have told us that before. It is. So when you buy your Honda Civic FK8 from your Honda dealer, 80% of the car that you buy from the dealer is what we're racing today. Absolutely. Take the seats out, pop a roll cage in, come motor racing. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. It's only the roll cage and the safety bits. That's the 20% that's not. Uh, just the upgrade on the brakes, 
uh, for obvious reasons, uh, and some air jacks. Yeah. There you go. Amazing. And it's the roll cage part of the shell, Joe. No, let's not start that again, uh. for goodness sake. <laughs> <laughs> he could have answered it. Hang on a minute. What? Next, what? Hang on, we're not finished. Um, <laughs> next time the car comes in, if they allow us, and if it's not a quick one, we'll have a look, and I'll show you exactly what I mean by the, sh the, the, the roll cage being entwined with the, the, the shell of the car, Yeah. if that's the case. All right, good. I look forward to that. Thank you. Good battle going on in A6AM between uh, the two Mercedes. Toxport uh, with Henrik still behind the wheel has just got past Joe Foster uh, a few laps ago. And uh, Joe Foster trying to hang on to the uh, Henrik still driven Mercedes. But uh, just four seconds separating those two. And as I say, they uh, are having a bit of a tussle. But uh, Henrik has just got past. I uh, failed to mention it when it happened. Uh, and then in third place, but on the lead lap as far as A6AM is concerned, is Edward Lewis Browner in the number 93 Herbert Motorsport Porsche, um, which they still haven't put Klaus Backler back into it. Um, so I'm not saying that's fr frustrating in any way at all. But uh, so we had. Uh, I thought you were because you liked uh, saying his name, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is what a very satisfying name to say. What Backler back. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Hans Wehrmann had uh, his stint behind the wheel. Then we had Klaus Rader, and now we've got Edward Lewis Browner back into the car and uh, so Klaus having done the first stint uh, Johnny and I thought he might be doing the nighttime shift well uh, we're in complete darkness now it's half past ten at night here in Portugal and uh, still quite a few hours of darkness still to go so uh, uh, still an opportunity that Klaus the of the battler type might get into the car before too long but, uh, certainly that car uh, embroiled in a battle for the lead of A6AM which is uh, Still going on very close indeed. Three cars all on the lead lap. Three cars all on the lead lap in A6 Pro. And um, yes, the other class is a little bit more distantly spread, but none more so than A3. Uh, the domination of this race by Synchro Motorsport, not quite complete, but uh, they still have... Actually, they have lost five laps. It was 138 laps. It's now down to 133 laps. Um, just thinking about uh, Klaus Backler again and uh, the fact that he did quite a... He did, he did one stint at the start, he went back in again then, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did a double stint, he did a full two-hour uh, stint of two... But uh, after uh, those first two hours... He's not driven it since. Really? OK. No. I had a memory of him being in for at least one further occasion. Right. No, I, I was building him up because I was expecting him to get in. And On then the rotation, didn't. yes. Um, but, but does that mean that, that, you know, OK, you start with a, with a very quick driver and now you're holding back all your, all your trump cards, as far as Backler is concerned, until uh, the latest portion in the race possible. The danger is... You're too far out of the fight by that point when you throw him back in the number 93 car. It's an A6AM car, we must remember, and they are still in the podium places in car number 93. A6AM neutral as well. And uh, the benefit here that they have against their rivals is they are burning through AM and, uh, and, and semi-pro time. Yeah. with maybe the secret weapon being held back. But I just wonder whether that is well, less likely to be done in a 24-hour series because uh, we, we haven't got that many cautions. We don't have safety car at all. No, exactly. So um, There's not been too many Code 60s, has there? No, no. So but, but, but in some GT races where you get a safety car, everything condenses at the front, and then you really do want your gun driver at the wheel because all of a sudden he's three car lengths back from the race leader, and it's all about who's doing the final stint. But that's less 
how things work in this type of racing. With, with, with code 60, yes, you don't get that bunching up uh, principle. Uh, the rules limit Klaus Buchler to doing eight hours maximum. Um, now, you know, given that uh, a stint is a maximum of two hours, that in effect gives him four stints to do. Now, break that up into simple, easy chunks. You know, the race is four chunks of six hours each. We've had all of one six-hour chunk, which he did his two hours in. We've had... Um, all but an hour and a half of the second chunk and he's not done any driving at all so um you know we could have a couple of uh, two hour stints during the night from uh, let's say midnight until two and then uh, have a break and then do from uh, three o'clock until five something like that or from four o'clock until six uh, and then another two hours at the end of the race but uh, eight hours is the maximum that uh, Backler will be allowed to drive um just because it's an a6am class car yeah Josef Kral, meanwhile, on to lap 320 as the race leader. The gap is still only 27 and a bit seconds. That has opened up since I last mentioned it, though, and Kral to Pastorelli generally extending. And four-tenths of a second was the gap last time between individual lap times. The, the gap that is coming down a bit is Pastorelli to Renauer in third place because uh, that was... Uh, over a minute and it's now down to 47 seconds the gap between second and third and uh, whilst I was talking about second and third a new car popped into fourth place Dimitri Angelbert at the wheel of the Edex Sport Racing Mercedes uh, Dimitri having just brought that car up into fourth place as a result of the number 22 Wochenspiegel Ferrari having had a routine pit stop a moment ago uh, that was Jochen Krumbach who got into the car when Diana was uh, down in the pit lane as she described the pit stop of Jochen getting into the car uh, that car has now been handed over to David Perel um, but David then losing fourth place as a result of the pit stop and those two running in third and uh, sorry in fourth and fifth places um, that is Angelbert and Perel fourth and fifth in the overall positions the Autorama Motorsport Golf briefly in the penalty box then which is still the car second in the TCE series race that was Marlon Menden who brought the car in for Autorama Motorsport by Wolf Power Racing and uh, the runaway championship leaders only because of the fabulous season they've had so far three wins in the second place as we as I found out uh, not too long ago and that car running in second place in both the TCR and the TCE races and a comfortable second it is as well. It may be three laps off the lead, but uh, nine laps uh, ahead of the uh, next car, the uh, Nordschleife Racing Peugeot. So gaps in TCE much bigger than uh, in the overall or either of the A6 categories, A6M and A6 Pro, three cars on the lead lap. Clearly no resting on laurels, though, as this uh, pit stop is being done. Everyone else, everyone rather, in the team knows their job. One guy having to just work his way around the car and knock out bits of tyre pickup into those nooks and crannies where it frustratingly gets to and uh, can start can start to pull away bits of bodywork, as we've seen on the Honda and we've seen on the uh, 188 AC Motorsport Audi with that flapping uh, front wheel arch much much earlier on in the race which had to be cable tied down car 15 Hendrick still for top sport WRT is running in fifth position in the class 
but rather fifth, fifth position in the GT Series race. However, leader of the A6AMs, Talksport WRT, from CP Racing. And uh, this is the area of the race that does tend to cycle around quite a bit. So I'm impressed with Edex Sport. You mentioned Dimitri Enschelbert, because that car was down in sixth and seventh places at times, but now has got itself into a position where it can run fourth. And yeah. the best of the Mercedes. Yes, that car is going to be the next one into the pits, though. So, uh, I thought as much. Yeah, so 17 will be the next car into the pits. Then it will be 15, Hendrik Still, And then it will be 85, Joe Foster, in the CP racing car. Um, so those cars in fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh places, each of them will cycle up to fourth place yeah. and then come into the pits. But I remember asking you the question when 17 was was fourth of that little group is it still on the lead lap of the battle for fourth and it, it had managed to fall off the lead lap so yeah. it's sort of it's got back there again but then again <laughs> i mean it's a lead lap that's always relative to whoever is running deeper and deeper into their pit stop cycle but it's good to watch nevertheless because I mean, they've had a go at being in all well, sorts of different orders yeah, yeah, and, and as I say, it, it cycles on the pit lane rotation um, as long as they all do the same length of, uh, of uh, stint every time, which is never a certainty because, um, for example, Angelbert uh, came in, got into the car during that last Code 60, but the car came in just before the Code 60 happened, so they lucked in in the sense they got a full tank full of fuel, so Angelbert oh. then was able to save some fuel for quite a long time. Drama out track, though, for Nicky Pastorelli in the number 24 car. And there's another Porsche involved as well, which might be a cup car, or it might be one of the GT3 entries. No, it is a cup car. It's the Porsche Lorient entry, number 911, which was third in the 9191 class last time I checked, although the graphic indicates it's actually second now. And Jean-Francois Demorges is labelled as second on our screen too. Duvo Racing leading the class. I'm not sure whether there was any contact to lead up to that, but all of a sudden Pastorelli was sideways across the nose of Demorges and he had to get on the brakes to ensure there wasn't further contact. This is at uh, turn 13, the left-hander, the uphill left-hander that leads up to the final hairpin. Uh, the, the, the long loopy hairpin. Uh, I think, Johnny, we're going to get away without any uh, code 60 there. I think both cars have got re I've got re going. I've got going again. <laughs> it didn't look like they touched. It didn't. Okay. It looked like they both spun. I didn't. I didn't see them sort of. I actually was. Uh, as if they made contact. My my eyes were elsewhere, and I only caught that incident halfway through. And uh, as I say, Pastorelli across the nose, effectively, of the nine. 1-1 numbered Porsche, but how that all kicked off may get an, may get an answer this time. 9-1-1, no, you're right, there wasn't any contact at all, and the Pastorelli car was trying to lap the Porsche Lorient machine. I think it just got out onto the marbles, you know. With the temperature dipping as well, uh, there'll be possibly less grip available, and uh, particularly on a bit of track that's not regularly used. If you're on the racing line, that'll be nicely rubbered up now. Uh, but off track, you've got marbles, you've got bits of dirt, and possibly gravel out there. And I think Passarelli's just got a bit caught out. Yeah, he, was trying to lap the, uh, he was trying to lap the cup car and virtually was past him. 
and then spun. But thankfully, they didn't make contact, and they've both been able to rejoin with zero damage. Yeah, and Pastorelli, I reckon, only lost about 10 seconds on his lap time. So he's still in second place and still ahead of Robert Renauer. Uh, Robert, though, instead of being 45 seconds behind, is now just 36 seconds behind uh, as they started the lap. Uh, and, of course, they were back up to full racing speed by the time they got there. But Pastorelli coming into the pits this time around at the end of... 33 laps so that's um yeah probably the end of his routine uh stop in fact yes he's uh, pretty much reached his two-hour driving limit hasn't he so it's a full two hours for nicky pastorelli he and jordan groder have pushed that golf porsche up into second place it was in third but they've uh, kept it going very nicely indeed and they're up into second and uh it will be pastorelli out and uh, now, will it be Jordan Groger getting back in again, or will it be Alexander Acuna? Well, I was suggesting to Joe Bradley earlier on, Johnny, that uh, it would be Alexander Acuna getting in, uh, a younger man with um, younger eyes, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> um, not being rude to uh, either Jordan Groger or Nicky Pastorelli, but uh, sometimes it is the young hot shoe who is uh, more suited to doing the nighttime driving. Well, uh, Alex, 27. I'm pretty sure Jordan is 10 years older and Pastorelli might be a little bit older than that still. Um, Nicky is actually 36. So Groger, 37, I'm pretty sure, yes. So they're in their sort of mid to late 30s, and Cunho, 27. So your uh, eyes don't deteriorate in this 30s, not, no, not do at, you? Not, not at yeah. that age, no, no. I think uh, Joe and I were talking about being over 50, and uh, that's when... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, ability to it, it's not so much the uh, ability to see in the dark as the ability to adjust your eyes to uh, darkness after they've been exposed to bright lights um, and just the ability of you, your eyes to be uh, to be sensitive to um, different levels of brightness very quickly indeed yes but more to the point Cunio you know owes them a lot of hours he's been <laughs> sitting out virtually the full first half of this race after very much you use the phrase heavy list lifting from Nicky Pastorelli and Jordan Groger they need uh, some cocoa in an early night and uh, Alex Cunio can keep <laughs> things running in uh, the GPX racing crew while well, Jean-Pierre Valentini just runs around and uh, like he owns the place absolutely <laughs> yes and a very smart garage it is too. Oh, isn't it, just? So is it the, the, um, that gantry I was talking about yesterday has actually got a big loudspeaker on the top, blaring out loud music all the time. <laughs> oh, um, I thought you were going to say blaring out our commentary uh, so uh, they could stay on I've uh, not <laughs> been down there when we've been on air, funnily enough. No. Um, so it might be blaring out our commentary, uh, in which case Somehow I, apolog I, doubt it. I apologise to all at GP Extreme um, <laughs> for, dis for disturbing their sleep. We'll talk more quietly in the night, don't worry. Of guys. course, yes. No, I think we will. Kral, <laughs> uh, Pastorelli, now the top three, because Pastorelli then in the fueling area, so Robert Renauer gains a place as a result, and Josef Kral about to stream across the line to complete 325 laps as we head down to the pit lane and hear from Nicky Pastorelli, who's with Joe. Yeah, Nicky's obviously been working very hard. Hey, I've got to say, man, that was an outstanding stint there, putting the car right in contention. Yeah, it was a great stint. Uh, we had some troubles during the day with our high temperature, with uh, handling problems of the car, but it's much better in the night. Uh, hopefully it will be also good tomorrow after sunrise. Well, what happened at the end of the stint there? Did you have a little trip over a car or something? There was one of the Porsche Cup cars who didn't see me. 
He braked a bit too late, touched me from behind, we had a small spin, but we have no damage. We lost only a few seconds, so it's okay. What's the driver's strategy? Who's in the car now? Uh, Alex is in the car now. It's his uh, second stint, so let's see. When will we see Valentini in the car? He's gonna, is he going to do his two hours tomorrow? Uh, or tomorrow morning, or just before that. It's okay. not, not decided yet. Yeah, needs a, a young man's eyes for the dark. Sorry? A young man's eyes needed for the dark. Yeah. How, long, how much rest are you going to get now, Nicky? Uh, not much. I don't know yet. They're changing the strategy all the time, so I'll find out now. Yeah, the pressure's on now, man. Pressure's on. I'm sure you're going to love that. Yeah, Nicky Pastorelli, loving that pressure. Yeah, has, has raced for that team for a good few seasons now. They haven't always been called GPX racing, but prior to that, and actually at the same time sometimes, races for V8 racing as well, and uh, the, the Chevrolet Corvette that everyone likes to see at the Dubai 24 Hours is uh, one of Nicky's regular cars too. That's indeed what he drove this year at the Dubai 24 Hours, number 18 Corvette C6 that he shared with Luke Brahms and Wolf Narton and Duncan Houseman along with Finlay Hutchison. So, but uh, clearly an integral part of uh, GPX racing now, getting more and more used to the Porsche. As the engine note you can hear in the background is that uh, flat six of the Porsche, now driven by Alex Cugno of GPX racing. So Cugno in for two hours. And then we'll see where we go next. But the suggestion is that maybe Pastorelli will be in sooner rather than later. Oh, yes, I always wonder when uh, a driver says they're always changing the uh, strategy because there has to be a good reason to change a strategy if you've uh, kind of decided what the driving order is going to be. Um, and it may well be that uh, Nicky was just kind of... Uh, uh, kind of making it up as he went along, saying that I've not actually looked down the rotor that far to know when I'm on next. Um, but, uh, you know, th th I would have thought that unless there was a good reason to change the, change the plan, then they'd be still sticking with plan A because there's been no other reason for that car, which has been touch wood running very well. Um, you know, you'd change the plan if you needed to, but... But he doesn't need it. to tell Joe the plan, does he? Yeah. Well, I there that is was... that, yes. yes. <laughs> they're, changing all, they're changing the strategy all the time. Last time I looked, it will have changed several times since then. <laughs> I'm not sure I believe it. No, quite. Um, so, uh, you know, you always have to take a little bit of a pinch of salt with uh, what drivers tell you. And But as a result of that uh, pit stop, uh, the number 24 car has fallen off the lead lap. And uh, in fact, it's fallen two laps behind, but both Joseph Kral and Robert Renauer are going to be into the pits uh, before 11 o'clock tonight. I confidently predict they're so within the next 10 minutes. Um, and there are mechanics springing into action again at the team that Joe was about to leave, thinking, well, Alex Cunha will be in that car for a while. What's going Ooh. on at GPX? Right, the, uh, the crew was just burst into life with looks of consternation on their face. Um, I'm obviously going to have to take full responsibility for this, as I was talking to Nicky Pastorelli and saying they're in contention. Um, I don't know if you guys can shed any light if the car is on the track, out on the circuit, showing it's, on the tracker. It's, or it, it... it's left the pits, having uh, had its pit stop. It's on its outlap, and uh, as far as we can tell, it's, well, in fact, it's finished its outlap and is on its first flying lap, so um, all seems to have been well. Uh, now, I just wonder, did they... Has Alex gone past the refueling? No, that's uh, he's done his refueling. Um, so 
It all seems well at the moment. He's coming into the final turn now. So if he's going to come into the pits, um, he'll be coming. He's just coming into turn 15 at the moment. Yeah, I think go on. Stand down. Stand down. Um, Are they standing down? It, yeah, it's yeah, just gone through. The panic, whatever the panic was, I do not know. Um, in fact, I might ask Jordan or somebody what the, uh, the panic was there. And uh, because now the, now the mechanics have kind of calmed down, took their gloves off, they were ready. I saw the team burst into life. What was the panic? Anybody know? No idea. Any, any issue with the switch? But he found, it's okay. He found the switch. Yeah. He found the switch, everybody. <laughs> calm down. Let's calm down. I thought, it was the fact, I thought it was the fact that the Saturday night pizza order was about to arrive. Might have been that. Where have I got to be for the best slice? And everyone just kicking into light, but now it's all calmed down again. The, so. the light switch, presumably, he meant, or which switch would that have been? Uh, might have been the question. Because it might have been for the high beams, as I say. Um, uh, um, Luke uh, Brokers uh, was saying that uh, he failed to find the switch for the light beam, the high beams, when he went out in night practice yesterday and uh, was struggling a bit for visibility and then... Um, Having found the switch, uh, all was uh, all was <laughs> revealed in more ways than one. And uh, the 101 car uh, with full headlights on, uh, able to see exactly where he's going, because it is pretty dark out there. There's very little street lighting, even in the grandstand area, looking out of our box, which has no, no lights uh, on at all. Uh, very difficult to pick out which cars are going past. Yeah, and uh, I mean, high beams possibly more necessary at this particular track than than another, say, a Silverstone, because of the amount of undulation, and to see the the track in front of you, which at times is, is it twelve percent decline or something? I was reading. I still haven't managed to get that uh, figure about elevation. I did by the do way. some research on that myself and couldn't find no. it. So, uh, no, well, I was uh, TSL timing who do a lot of timing around the world always have a little altitude map they have come here yes i thought ah, found it uh, found their circuit map and it didn't have the little altitude map so uh, well when when you ask the actual circuit management and they go oh that would be a great figure to have wouldn't it <laughs> but we don't know it <laughs> but if you come here next year we'll make sure we have it for you so uh, there's a promise that i must hold them to maximum fall 12 percent maximum rise rise 6.2 percent so the plummets far more than the inclines um and the high beams don't help you in the downhill bits at all because they just stare at the sky. <laughs> uh, but the uphill bits, you certainly do need uh, that little bit of extra lighting, which we know the Ferrari carries, for example. Um, and it's almost like when rally cars uh, are due to do some night stages, they strap on an extra light bar. Well, the, these cars, some of the TCRs actually do have a light bar that sits on, on the bonnet, and uh, that serves as your extra illumination. Well, and uh, the, the even Scuderia Praha has uh, extra lights around... In the sort uh, of front splitter, isn't it? Yeah, what you'd call the fog light area, where most cars have fog lights. Mm -hmm. um, extra lights there, which they use to illuminate the curves, because what you do notice with racing cars at night is, rather than a normal road car, which has all the lights focusing forwards, um, there's much more sideways uh, direction lighting on uh, a racing car, purely to enable the driver to see... Uh, uh, apex is coming up and uh, to be able to see where he's clipping those uh, apexes or not and staying off the sausage curbs of course because it's not just what you uh, hit but also what you don't hit 
Robert Renauer and Alex Cugno cross the line together. It's just they're on different laps, but they were completely nose to tail that time around. Robert Renauer second, and that will tick off lap 329 for the number 91 Porsche. Uh, 327 completed for Alexandre Cugno for GPX Racing. So two laps separate Cugno from the race leaders. Kral in the Ferrari and Renauer in the Porsche. That room almost completely disappear when those two come in for their uh, respective pit stops with uh, Kral due in before Renauer uh, coming into the pits at the moment is Joe Foster uh, although he came in later than any of them but he's uh, got up to his driving limit of two hours has uh, Joe Foster in the CP Racing Mercedes and then behind that Henrik still in the 15 Top Sport WRT car. That machine only has a lead of 33 seconds over David Perrell's Wockenspiegel Team Monschau car. So still just ahead of a Ferrari that he knows very, very well, because I'm sure he will have driven that car, if not the sister machine, the number 11, which is also here this weekend. And Hendrick still, Joe Bradley, now entering the pit lane from fourth position. Yeah, and he's going to hand over the car to his teammate, Nikolai Rodrigue. And also, we're going to have a brake change on the front of the car. So, full service. Just coming up to one hour to half distance, so... That's probably where we are going to see the majority of the GT3 runners changing. So I expect the Ferrari and the Porsche. We were talking about brake changes on those cars earlier. Talking about the 91 and the 11. Maybe we're getting towards that time for them. Uh, Hendrick still slams the door. Rodriguez in the car. The, uh, the caliper spread back. We're, we're actually changing pads on this car. Um, the pads have come out. Oh, this is a very slow way of doing this. The number 15 is a GT3 spec car, and on some of the cars, we've seen the caliper and the brake disc go on as one unit. The caliper has stayed put. The absolutely scalding hot disc has been lifted off very expertly with the use of two screwdrivers, clamping it. The new disc is back on. He's slamming it to make sure it sits on the hub. It's on there, he's happy. Now he puts the brake pads. I'm talking about the right-hand front side of this number 15 Mercedes. He's put, he's got us, ah, he's got to spread the calipers a bit further. The pads won't fit. That's pretty much solid now. Will the pads fit in now? Yep, the slide in position, one either side of the disc, both inside the caliper. He'll need to put the retaining pins in there as well. He's not quite got them in place. Yes, he has the pins in place. He gets the plate that goes in between the wheel and the disc so that stops the alloy of the wheel bonding to the disc belt it's off the jacks great brake change and there it is job done Hendrick Steele back the, in the race the signal from the engineer at car 15 was just pushing the you know flat palm out and uh, push 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 on the brake that was the indication to the driver in order to get some brake pressure uh, but whilst you, Joe, were describing the brake change on the right side of the car, uh, our cameraman was, was zoomed in perfectly on the front left, and we had a really good, uh, if you were on the live stream, really good um, review there of just how a brake change is done. So quick, and you have to be very, 
uh, have, have to have great dexterity to actually work in a very confined environment there with red-hot brake discs, let us uh, not forget as well. Um, we're going to do... Let me just whip through the standings for the TCR series, Joe, and then we can have a quick word with Hendrik Still, who's just stepped out of that car. Uh, it's not changed a great deal in the TCR series, so we can do this very quickly. Top Car Sport by Baz Kooten Racing, 1-3-1 leads it. Autorama Motorsports, Volkswagen Golf, 1-1-2 is second. Then it's the Red Camel Jordans, Cupra, which has actually gained a spot then, hasn't it, over the AC Motorsport machine and the Nordschleifer Racing Peugeot. Nordschleifer were in third, I think, the last time we did this uh, hourly update as such. Synchro Motorsport, lead class. That's A3, 676 from the Hoffer Racing by Bonk Motorsport, BMW. But both of those A3 cars are still running. Here's Joe then with Hendrix still, so long as you've still got him. Yeah, yeah, Hendrick's fine. I'm uh, just taking a, a drink of uh, fluids on board, been working very hard. Hendrick, this is turning into quite a battle with the number 22 Ferrari. Are you aware of what's happening on track in relation to that? Uh, we were in battle with them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we were in battle with them direct in the beginning of the stint, I think. It uh, was very good. I mean, these are my teammates from 24 Hour of Nürburgring. Yeah. We are really We've just said that, yeah. It's a car you know very well. Yeah, exactly. And we are all friends. So uh, I think Jorgen was in the car, but he was very fair. I was on brand new tyres, so I don't know what he had. And our pace was uh, tonight extreme strong, I think. I think one of the quickest cars, what I heard from the team. No, I'm very happy. Pace is, is good during the whole st stint. We have a very balanced car, so very good. And the brake, the service on the brakes happened there. Did you, were you beginning to get a long brake pedal? Um, yeah, it starts a bit to stint before, so we really had to go with, uh, with the brake pressure more to the rear to save the brakes in front. Uh, yeah, but now um, we think we can go now. We do our brake pads change now, and uh, we have 13 hours to go, so it should be fine because now we do a lot of hours with cold temperatures. Should be good, yeah. So you should be good to the finish, you see? Yeah, good to the finish, yeah, yeah. That, that's the plan. So what's your plan now? Here we are, it's 11 p.m. You should really be going to bed. Yeah, I mean, now it, I, I just came out of the stint, I drank a bit. Uh, and uh, yeah, let's see what, what my, my teammates do. And then for sure I need to do some rest. Yeah, okay, I'll let you do that. Thanks. Thank great to talk to you, Henrik. Henrik still. Very enthusiastic. You can tell he had a great stint there battling with that Ferrari. Yeah, and driving lots of different cars this year as well. So Mercedes in this uh, event, as he says, he's driven the Wachenspiegel Ferrari. He's also done some races for Kuss Team 75 in a Porsche Cayman, I notice, as part of the ADAC GT4 Championship. So lots of variety. A bit like Rick Brokers in that sense. Um, the Bohemia Energy Racing Ferrari leads the GT Series race then. 3-3-3 three, three, three laps now completed for car 11 of the Czech Republic for Czech driver Josef Kral, who he shares that car, of course, with Yuri Pisaric and Matteo Malicelli. Leading over Robert Renauer in the number 91 Herbert Motorsport Porsche. And another pro car to make it three in the top three, GPX Racing's number 24 Porsche, which is now being driven by Alex Cugno, the Frenchman. David Perrell makes it four pro cars in the top four with that Ferrari we've just spoken about, Wachenspiegel Team Monschau. It's a Rinaldi Racing prepared car, remember, another German outfit and the South African driver currently at the wheel, David Perrell. Edward Lewis Browner is in the race-leading A6 Am car. That's another Herbert Motorsport Porsche running fifth uh, overall in the GT Series standings ahead of its Am rival Toxport WRT. That's Hendrik Still's car, number 15. Edex Sports Mercedes is seventh, a pro car, ahead of CP Racing and their AMG from the AM category. 
and the 500 Mercedes, the brand new AMG GT3, is still in ninth position. Outside of the top 10 is where we find our class leaders. In the 991 class, it's Duvo Racing, number 909, leading from Porsche Laureate Racing, despite that scare uh, when Nicky Pastorelli spun right in front of that machine. But the 991 class is, 991 car is still uh, in second position. Jean-Francois de Morges has just brought that car into the pit lane. SPX leader is the Leipert Motorsport Mercedes of Marcus Pavarud. GT4 is led by the BMW M4 of Hoffer Racing by Bont Motorsport. Thomas Jaeger has just brought that car into the pit lane and it's in for fuel. And the QSR Racing School car might still be our first retirement, sadly. So we had the 34 car in with an electrical drama at the same time. That has since rejoined. But Jimmy DeBroker's car is covered in fire extinguishment. And whilst I was doing that little update, we've had the race leader in. Joe, I know you saw the stop, although the car is now in the fueling area. Yeah, Johnny, pretty standard. They've had a driver change. Uh, Maliocelli's the driver that got in. Joseph Carr got out, and it's already a way to fueling. Yeah. So all going very nicely uh, to Bohemia Energy, it would seem. And there is a team member just uh, ready to stop the 11 car at the right pump in the fueling area. So that will take a few minutes to get the right uh, fuel allocation on board. Robert Renau has also looks come like down pit lane in the, in the number 91 car. What are you watching, Joe? Yeah, it looks like a driver change on the 91. Now, we'll remember, um, Paul mentioned brakes on the 91 and the 11. Certainly no sign of any brakes going on the number 11 Ferrari there. And likewise with the number 91 Porsche, again, no brakes have come out onto the apron. The car already on its way with a driver change. Not sure who that is uh, that got in. Almost certainly be Ralph Bone getting into it. Yes, um, it was. Yes, you're right, Paul. Um, Daniel Alleman having been in the car immediately beforehand, and Alfred Renauer is actually in another car at the moment. So uh, Alfred <laughs> is in the 94 at the moment, so we know that he's not uh, available. Uh, and in fact, Alfred Renauer, whilst we were going through the hourly update there with uh, Johnny, uh, was setting the fastest lap for that car so far in the race, the uh, number 94 car. This is the other black car but the one with the green identification lights um, has just done a 1 minute 47.272 um, fastest lap of the race for that number 94 car uh, it's crewed entirely by AMS with the one exception of Alfred Renauer who's uh, regarded as a semi-pro um, but is a pretty quick semi-pro um, and that 94 car is the A6 AM Advantage car which always gets a full tank of fuel uh, and runs 50 kilograms lighter than uh, the 93 uh, Herbert Porsche. So with the two pit stops then for Malicelli taking over the number 11 Scuderia Praha Ferrari with Ralph Bone taking over the 91 Herbert car, uh, we'll now have all three uh, onto the lead, onto the same lap again because Alex Konyu uh, will have caught up with the GPX Porsche whilst the other two were having their pit stops. The 101 car uh, heading through the fast sweepers on the inside of the track and now venturing towards the right-handers uh, at the... Actually, that's heading towards turn four for car number one as we go back to the pit lane. Joe, you've managed to find Robert Renau fresh from the number 91 car. Robert, for us, this Porsche-Ferrari battle that's been going on all season is fantastic. How tense is it for you guys? It's very hard outside. Um... Yeah, very challenging track. Um, 
For me, not enough um, lights on the track, so it's really difficult to tr uh, drive here in the dark. So, yeah, very challenging, as I said. Um, it's a tough fight against the Ferrari and the other Porsche. They are all pushing like hell, and definitely one of the hardest 24-hour series races I've ever had here. Really is. Now we, you, it was, you had a bit of bad luck at Spa. The kind of the race went away from you last time out at um, Brno. Is there anything at this stage of the race that you can do that would influence that kind of thing happening? Yeah, I mean, we don't have to, uh, or we have to look at we make no mistakes um, to the end of the race. Um, good box, good pit stops, no uh, more track limit um, penalties, that's all. Um, yeah. Try to do a clean race and then maybe we can beat the Ferrari and the other Porsche. Well, it's a great battle. Robert, I've got to say that was something I saw at the Nürburgring 24 hours that I must ask you about. Is it true that you have the same shape bottom as Sabine Schmidt? You have the same shape bottom as Sabine Schmidt. What you were you using Sabine Schmidt's seat yeah, insert. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, Alex Miller and I, we, are, we both drove as uh, Sabine's insert. I mean, it was okay for us. A little bit tight, but still okay. A little bit tight? Yeah, yeah she's very sporty. I'm just thinking she's a woman, so they naturally have wider hips. No, uh, definitely no. Right, maybe yeah, we, you proved have, it. Maybe we have a, a big hip. Yeah, I think you have a big bottom. Yes, great stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Robert. It's Should, official. Same it, shape bottom as Sabine Schmidt. I think we said that at the time, did we not? Uh, I think we did. Yeah, as, uh, did he say Alex Muller was sharing that same seat yeah. insert as well? Okay. <laughs> well, Sabine Schmidt... Uh, I don't you did know. look a little confused, though. It's got oh, to oh, be yeah. said. He I, wondered what you were Let's face about it. Joe. I don't think, as he went into that interview, Robert Renau fully expected that line of questioning. <laughs> you have the same shape of derriere as Sabina Schmidt. What? <laughs> Schmitz. Schmitz, sorry. Yeah, she yes. does have a, a Z on the end of her name. She does. Um, and, yeah. uh, well, Joe was missing a couple of syllables there, I think. But um, <laughs> it's not a problem. Uh, we all know who you're talking about, Joe, so uh, well done for, for finding that out. And uh, once more... We do get to the bottom of the stories. Sorry. Oh hey! God, He's Paul, here all night, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas we, on the other hand, Di and I and oh, Joe, <laughs> we are, uh, yeah, we, we, I was thinking we should probably mark people's cards regarding this because uh, we like to cover as many hours as possible of a 24 hour race, but we are going to step away this evening in about 50 minutes' time. However, Paul Truswell, uh, ever vigilant, is going to stay awake for us and therefore uh, leave, well, probably leave the desk in the morning covered in post-it notes with all the detail from the race. Or are you just going to tweet well, um, and rely on us checking your Twitter feed when we wake up? Uh, first thing to say is, um, for domestic reasons, um, I am not intending to stay up all night. Okay. If the race gets exciting and I forget, then that's just how it happens. But uh, <laughs> it is never my intention to go into a 24-hour race and stay up all night. It's just that sometimes the race gets exciting and I end up not going to bed. You get drawn into it. Um, quite so. Uh, if there is something dramatic that I feel the world should know about, then I'll tweet it. So uh, follow up, Paul Truswell. And if, then, if nothing particularly exciting happens, then you won't get to hear anything. But uh, we'll try and pick up on anything significant that happens, particularly when the brake changes happen, if and when we spot them. Uh, although, as we've said, they happen pretty quickly. And um, then how we actually communicate in the morning, um, what we'll probably do is to uh, have some kind of catch-up session at uh, whatever time it is that uh, Johnny comes back on air, which you'll tell us, Johnny, is... Could be one in the afternoon with me. Uh, <laughs> you know me. No. <laughs> eight, eight. The, the arrangement is 
is 8 o'clock tomorrow 8 morning. Right, yes. so at 8 a.m. if you tune in, um, give us about half an hour, and within the first half hour, between 8 and 8.30, we'll have caught up with all of the action that uh, uh, you may have missed, um, whilst... Um, the race has been pounding on. Last year, we had three hours of red flag uh, during the uh, um, yeah, during the night. Last year, wasn't there? Uh, yes, yeah, so there was uh, a chance for a, a quick doze last year, um, whilst uh, the various uh, things now, were. Paul, I've got a question for you. So, how many 24-hour races have you covered and and gone to bed? So you've missed a few hours. Uh, only the ones, ah. only the ones which have been stopped. You see. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you comment earlier about how you've not come to 24-hour races intending to go well, to sleep. It's not quite true. Um, but, you see, if there's a race going on, why would you step away? You know, if you, if you go to the theatre and there's a play on, um, you kind of, you don't walk out in halfway through, unless it's a particularly bad show, um, and just sort of say, oh, I'll take a little break now and then come back later on. There's nothing particularly interesting happening. Um, you know, you stay for the whole show, and it's a bit like that coming to a motor race. You don't just walk away from the show halfway through it. Yeah. And I should say, by the way, the live stream, which you can find at the radio-show.co.uk website and other places too, that's going to stay. So there'll still be onboard cameras of a lot of the cars going round, There'll be the occasional uh, locked-off shot as well of the main straight, I believe. And crucially, on that live stream, you've got the live ticker giving you the current order. And also, on the hour, there will be a, a graphic slate on, on the, on the street stream to give you the, the positions in the GT series and the TCE series. So if you want to stay up, by all means. And that's a, me that's a way of you staying up. to. Because the thing is, we have a worldwide audience these days, and uh, it's not the middle of the night in Australia and other places too. So uh, pl plenty of people will be tuning in, but you'll get the full commentary service from 8 o'clock local time tomorrow morning through to the finish, of course. Excellent. Thank you for marking, uh, marking the card uh, appropriately with that. So we, we've only got three quarters of an hour uh, before the witching hour, before midnight. Yeah, that's right. And uh, as I say, it, this um, is different from other 24-hour races because, you know, many teams will think, oh, we've, we're on the back nine now. You know, we've only got another 12 hours to do. So, yes, daylight will be the next target at 6.20. But once you're there, it will be more or less a six-hour race to the finish. And some 24-hour races start at three and four in the afternoon on a Saturday, which means a much longer distance to the flag. Uh, it's kind of arranged that way because people do need to be in offices on Monday morning to start their uh, proper jobs. Uh, so it gives uh, people sufficient time to fly back, to drive back to wherever they need to be. Fairly tight uh, battle on the circuit. 18 seconds is all that separates Alex Cugno from Ralph Bone. Uh, trying to work out which of the two of them is uh, actually got the upper hand. But it's uh, hard to do at the moment because they're matching each other pretty much uh, lap time for lap time. Uh, the two of them, say, separated by not very much. They are on the same lap. They are both on the lead lap. But Matteo Malicelli, up ahead of them, is drawing away. And uh, he's a minute and 18 seconds away at the moment. But uh, drawing away on that last lap, at least, at a rate of two seconds per lap. And uh, at that rate, it's not going to be too long um, before he starts to be able to see Ralph Bone and perhaps uh, contend with the prospect of putting a lap on uh, at least Ralph Bone in the Herbert car. 
just reflecting, I mean, it was great to uh, hear from Robert Renauer, um, but you, you had to feel that, um, you know, he wasn't coming into that interview, I mean, quite aside from uh, the, um, the other discussion that um, <laughs> Joe then had with him. Um, he wasn't full of confidence and said, yes, we've got the car to win this race. He was very, uh, I won't say negative about the fact that um, he couldn't see where you were going, but uh, he certainly, uh, as I said earlier on, it's, it's pretty dark out there. Um, there isn't a lot of light, and it does mean you've got to know your way around here and be confident that you know your way around here and not meet traffic uh, or always just have that little bit in reserve so if something unexpected does happen uh, you're not going to immediately fly off or have a spin or uh, end up in the gravel so a uh, very revealing interview and uh, good of Robert to be so open and honest about how difficult it is out there he said one of the most difficult 24-hour races uh, coming from a man who's just come out of the Nürburgring 24 hours true that's uh, quite a significant comment I fear yeah well they they managed a second place here last year, but that was in the, the that was in a Manti Racing prepared Porsche. Now, there was that the that, guest entry? That was the uh, the new, um, yeah, what was then the new 911, yeah. um, which was running as an SPX class car. Uh, yes, you're right. They did finish second, but they were seven laps behind the race leaders. Um, they were quite a long way back, as I remember. Around about that, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was Alfred and Robert in the car, then Ralph Bone and Mathieu Jaminet driving uh, what was then a, a kind of unhomologated uh, car. And I was just interested then in the 2017 version of this race, how Herbert got on. I assume they were here. And, well, let's just have a look because they didn't feature in the top few positions. They were here and they retired after two and a half hours of a 24-hour race and that was the old lineup which we have uh, this weekend Daniel Allerman, Ralph Bone and the two Renauers but just 78 laps completed for that car when the race winner which was the Scuderia Praha Ferrari did 722 so their record's not not great in the current spec of, of the port that would have been in the older version of the GT3R as well but um, yeah it's been a tough year for Herbert, I think it's fair to say, when actually they're used to having things very much their own way and never missing a beat. I remember saying, you know, during all of 2018, car, when's this car going to break? When are they going to make a, a, a little bit of a whoopsie in the pit stops? And, and we've had that this year, uh, and the, the roles have been reversed because Bohemia Energy are just relentless in their winning. And the number 11 car right up there this year too. So... There might be just a bit of resignation as far as Robert Renault is concerned as well, thinking, what do we have to do to get on a level playing field with these? Bearing well, in mind the Ferrari's had a bit of turbo wound off this weekend too. Yes, I mean, I think, um, you know, he, he, he said it the way it was. You know, they have to not make any mistakes and they have to be good in the pits. And you know, if you take away those two aspects they would have won at certainly at least at uh, Spa mm. and um, possibly Bruno as well um, but you know this this is what motor racing uh, is sometimes you know you sometimes you you try your very hardest and can't win and then you uh, go and try the same hardest and you do win um, and then all of a sudden three or four wins come on the trot um, and you think you got it cracked and then <laughs> a couple of weeks later it all goes wrong again yeah um, you know and uh, it's so you know there's so many 
variables that all have to work together and uh, you know very rarely do you get to in the end of a, a long distance race and uh, you interview a driver and he says you know that was all down to me um, you know they all talk about it being a team effort and how everybody has to work together to make it work and uh, that is how it how it happens with uh, with long distance racing i mean the beauty of it is that here we are with uh, not even half distance of the race elapsed uh, and we've got three cars on the lead lap in a6 pro uh, two a couple of laps behind who are squabbling over fourth and fifth the vockenspiegel and the edex sport racing car um, then we've got the three am cars which are all on the same lap all having completed 333 laps um, the cp racing the herbert porsche um, which has now got Klaus Rader at the wheel, by the way, the 93 car, still not with Bachler at the wheel. Um, and Nikolai Rogivu at the wheel of the 15 Toxport car, those three cars all on the same lap in A6M. You know, and with so little Code 60 running, the fact that the cars are so close. True. Well, what a great race. Why would you go to sleep? It's delicately poised, and uh, I have to admit, a little closer than I was expecting with, uh, you know, yeah, comparably yeah. To, 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 to other 24-hour series racing. This is a... A small but perfectly formed entry, but what we have got is strength in that in that depth. Um, but in terms of pace, and the pros look very evenly matched. We've got a great dice for Am as well. Two cars on the same cap in the 991 class. Uh, the 909 Duvo Racing Porsche, uh, Sergei Peregudov at the wheel of the 909 car, uh, and then the MRS Porsche. Okay, it's about two. Oh no, it is one lap behind, isn't it? I thought they were on the same lap, but he is one lap behind uh, the second place car in 991, Hendrik von Danritz in the MRS car number 980. Um, but those two cars, I mean, certainly within two minutes of each other, even if they're not quite on the same lap. Um, and uh, it's then the TCR battle, which has uh, kind of fizzled out as far as the first two places are concerned. But uh, the Luke Breukers, now driven Red Camel Jordans NL Cupra, is now on the same lap as the AC Motorsport car, uh, only eight seconds behind. That's the battle for third place in TCR. Mm. Um, so uh, I think Luke actually is going to be in a position to uh, start challenging before the end of that stint in the number 101 car. Where is he in his uh, schedule at the moment? I know Luke Broich is actually going to run out of laps. I think he's going to be in the pits fairly soon, having uh, taken over the car from Henry Littig over an hour ago. Uh, no, just coming up to an hour, isn't he? So well, he's got another maybe 10 laps at most to do for Luke Broich's then in the 101 car. So a little bit of a chance to challenge uh, Mathieu Dutrie at the wheel of the AC motorsport car, number 188. Antibury's just been overtaken by one of the 991 class cars and through the last, uh, actually over the line, they were separated by nothing at all, but Bury's lapping much slower than the Hendrik von Danvitz driven Porsche, which is the MRS GT racing entered 991 class car. Three of those in this weekend's race. Duvo Racing doing very nicely though, leading by this two minutes and 22 second lead for the Luxembourgish outfit. And it's Sergei Peregudov who drives the 909 car. Remember there's a, a new way of uh, listing the cars or rather the, the, the race numbers for the relevant cars in classes this year. And the 991 class, very easy to spot on the entry because they're all the cars that are three figures and start with a nine. 
So 909, 980 and 911. And we had a few more of those in the Dubai 24 hours. But then that, that number system is carried through to things like TCRs, which are three-digit race numbers starting with one, generally speaking. And the GT4s, now obviously we've got an exception as far as the number one car is concerned because that's the champion of last year. But the other GT4s start with a four, don't they? And they're all three digits as well. Except that uh, QSR Racing School started off being a GT4 class that's car true. and is now running as an SPX, which theoretically should start with a seven. So <laughs> okay. it, it, it's like a lot of good rules. It's like grammar, you know, it, it's got some good rules, but some exceptions along the way. Yeah. And it's about trying to remember the exceptions as well. Yeah, OK. Well, good idea. And it keeps it nice and neat and tidy, generally speaking. Uh, it's good for the fans as well, because, you know, you identify a race number and you think, OK, fairly confident. I know that that's in such and such a class. And, and from our point of view, Johnny, it also uh, means that when you get your entry list in numerical order, you've got all the classes in the right order as together. well. Yes, <laughs> true. So the 991 class are always at the bottom of the entry. And, uh, yeah, so getting more and more used to that but it's a good idea and it is adopted in some of the other uh, endurance series around the world fourth place in class for team Virage is Aston Martin that sounds like a good position but unfortunately it was a class that only started with four cars Peter Peters though the Portuguese based driver still pedaling as quickly as he can and trying to get closer ideally to that car that sits in the podium positions in gt4 which is the other aston martin their next door neighbors in the pit lane mike ortman back at the wheel of that car another guy to look forward to in terms of where he may go in gt racing only 19 years old mike but racing with marcus winkelhock all this year in the adac masters championship with bwt Muka Motorsport, so he's certainly got a good guy coaching him there. As we go back to Joe in the pits, yeah, the one three one, the uh, the leader of TCE car that leads. It's the one three one, as I said, it's the top car with Pascoon. Andy Burry is the driver that just got out, and the wheels are already changed. You have to have very long legs at Pascoon because the mechanics are very tall and long legs. They take the wheel off and the wheel goes back behind them through their legs. Couldn't do it. I'm not tall enough to work for Pascoten Racing. Um, driver going in, car off the jacks, new uh, new tyres on the car. Trying to see, I'm trying to see in the car to see who's in the car. I couldn't see who's in the car. Let's ask, It'll let's probably ask number one mechanic. Who's in the car? Uh, Gary Becker. Gary Becker is in Gary the car now. So one thing got out, another thing got in. Yeah, Gary Becker. Continues into fueling on its winning way, or leading way, I should say. Oh, I've done it now. <laughs> Carrie Pecker, the next driver on the rotation. Antiburi having done uh, not quite two hours. He's did an hour and 55 minutes, so uh, he had time for one more lap, but uh, um, quite rightly giving himself a lap of cushion, just in case there would have been a code 60 or something on his last lap that would put him over his two-hour driving time. And I suspect that Carrie Pecker will do a very similar uh, two hours once he gets enough fuel from the fueling station to carry on and do something, uh, something rather similar. Still no sign, though, of the fourth driver of that team, Ronnie Yost. I've said, I've said this every time they have a pit stop. Uh, Ronnie Yost still not having uh, got behind the wheel. I suspect that rather like at GPX, where uh, the one driver is being held back uh, for the whole of the uh, 
first part of the race, uh, Jean-Pierre Valentini in the case of uh, the 24 car, uh, the Baz Kooten car, Ronnie Yost, the uh, uh, Swiss driver, can't identify him as the uh, amateur Swiss because uh, so is Julian Apostolos, a amateur as well. But uh, Ronnie Yost, as I say, yet to drive the 131 top car. Ronnie, uh, with a good result at the start of the year in Dubai, because he was part of a lineup that was uh, different from the one he's with this weekend, although it was still a Baz Kooten car. That was the 125 Audi RS3 that Ronnie was driving on that occasion. He's not in an Audi this weekend, is he? That's the no. 131 car. We yes, yeah, the yeah, 131 fine. is a Cupra. Yeah, okay. So, but it's, uh, I mean, it's the same engine being part of the VAG group. But uh, Ronnie Yost did actually race with Julian Apotolos on that occasion. And also it was Luik Hartog in that driving lineup and Oscar Grappa. Um, second place in the Dubai 24 hours behind the Autorama Motorsport car. So knows how to get a good result in 24-hour races. Might well be uh, the AM, but uh, they're an integral part to a good result and has been associated with Baz Kooten's team since the start of last year. I don't know if we're going to be able to see this in the uh, darkness outside, but uh, and there he goes now. There goes Ralph Bone through in third place and hardly... 10 seconds behind him is Matteo Malicelli. Uh, I said that uh, Matteo was going to be getting close to uh, lapping the Herbert car by the end of his stint. Uh, and Matteo is only 20 minutes into his stint and uh, is, as I say, I reckon about 10 seconds off the tail of Ralph Bone as they went down the start finish straight that time. So uh, the number 11 Bohemia Energy with Scuderia Praha Ferrari, lap times 146.9. Uh, fastest lap of the race, still to the uh, uh, credit of Klaus Bachler, who did the very early on, 1 minute 45.085. But uh, Matteo Malicelli in the pitch black within two seconds of that lap time. Ralph Bone's last lap was a 1 minute 47.9. So uh, he's uh, lapping about a second a lap slower than Malicelli. And roughly 10 seconds ahead of him up the road and that will therefore be an opportunity for Matteo to put a lap onto Ralph Bone the two of them with roughly the same amount of fuel on board because they both came into the pits pretty much simultaneously uh, at the previous set of pit stops Joe Bradley described how the Herbert car came in and then we had the uh, opportunity to hear from Robert Renauer his thoughts on the matter Alex Cugno was uh, already 10 laps into his stint when those two pit stops had happened. So Cugno will be in first in the GPX Porsche. And as Robert Renauer said to Joe, it's not just a battle against the Ferrari, it's a battle against the other Porsche as well. Um, True. Which I'm sure he relishes. And, you know, it's no fun to win if it's easy. And uh, certainly Herbert do have their hands full. And... On the other hand, Scuderia Praha, uh, e even if they are leading the race at the moment by nearly a lap, um, have still got an awful lot of work to do. Well, all it takes is just a, a little tiny hiccup, an unexpected pit stop, and uh, that 90-second lead just evaporates yeah, in I mean, 90 seconds. You, yeah. know, it, 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 you think, poor, that's a long time. But then it, uh, it comes into the pits, they've got a problem with the, you know, the brake change that they planned, but that goes slightly awry or... 
there's a turbocharger issue, anything really. And uh, if it's something that we've seen other cars have to fight, like, for instance, I mean, the, the, the Honda's had its troubles with uh, uh, an upright going or a... Um, yeah, it was an upright, wasn't it, that failed yeah. on the Honda? And there have been other things as well for some of the GT3 cars. Uh, that is not a long time to be resting on at all, 90 seconds. No, and uh, even though I talk about getting a lap ahead, it's not as significant in this kind of racing where being a lap ahead doesn't kind of ensure you against a safety car uh, or something like that, squashing the gap. You know, in other forms of racing, uh, putting that lap on another car really does give you a bit of a safety net but uh, in this type of racing um, you know you still need to protect your position um, by any means you can so you know that three quarters of a lap is three quarters of a lap no matter what but uh, certainly the way that uh, Matteo Malicelli is driving uh, as ever extremely efficiently out there he's uh, very consistent in his lap times and uh, looking at his uh, average a little bit slower that time around just going through and set, starting another lap at 1 minute 48 and yes it's 14 seconds uh, the interval measured the wrong way around if you will um, it's not it's less than that isn't it uh, 44 it's four seconds only yes so um, Ralph Bone to Matteo Malicelli measured is just four seconds now the game down at Wockenspiegel Team Monschau appears to be get as dizzy as you can and then see if you can find the exit to the garage because one of the dolly jacks there, one guy being wheeled round and round and round at half 11 at night. I mean, talk about wanting to be disorientated. They're doing a 24-hour race for starters and then they're adding dizziness into the equation. <laughs> they're having fun, though. It's, yeah, well, you know, whatever floats your boat or uh, circulates your dolly jack shall we say. Um, <laughs> fair dues. Uh, Charles Espen now going pretty well now in the CB Racing A6 Am car because uh, suddenly going green through sector one. That's the fastest sector time that that car has offered all race. How concerned should we be about uh, Alexandre Cugnot's pace here? Because he is being caught by Ralph Bone. Ten and a half seconds. It might be even less than that towards the end of this lap because Cugnot in the low to mid 152s. Joe Bradley tucking into the snacks down at uh, Wolkenspiegel Team Monschau as well, I noticed. But just to finish the point, Ralph Bone can get sub 148, uh, 149 sometimes. It's another one minute 50 lap from the Frenchman in the GPX Racing Porsche. This is the battle of a second place and another Porsche is certainly closing in. Yes, and the... Of course, Bone can see the headlights of Malicelli behind him, so maybe being pushed on by that as well. So uh, they've just gone across the line uh, once again. And uh, you're right that the gap is coming down between second and third. Ten seconds is the gap. Um, but I would say it's only about two seconds between Malicelli and uh, Ralph Bone, only the other way around, if you see what I mean. So two seconds before Malicelli puts a lap on Ralph Bone. So um, that will uh, no doubt focus Ralph's mind. Um, although what he could do is to let the Ferrari pass and then uh, use that to chase behind and catch up with, uh, or, or try and chase behind, and then uh, help him to catch up with the young Frenchman um, in the Gulf Porsche on the way. Mm, true, and then if he's right at the tail of the Ferrari, he the Ferrari... Through and Alex wouldn't even notice. Precisely. <laughs> he creates the open door and Ralph Bone goes, right, I won't allow Cugno the opportunity to 
cut across back to the racing line. So we'll wait and see on that. Um, how close to to the pit stops are we for GPX and for Herbert number 91? Uh, for GPX, they've probably got about uh, seven or eight laps, I would say. Uh, currently on the 26th lap of what will be a 32-lap um, stint or thereabouts for uh, Konyo. But um, I'm just wondering whether they're going to leave Alex in for a double stint. Um, it was Nicky Pastorelli, wasn't it, who suggested that his break... No, it was Jordan Groger who said that his break might not be that long. No, was no, it, it Nicky? It was Nicky, wasn't mm. it, um, who suggested his break might not be that long. So they may just have um, a shorter stint for Alex Cugno, but we'll have to make sure that uh, the break... Um, for Nicky is long enough to match the minimum driving time, uh, which will have to be about an hour. So, yeah, Cunha will have to stay out for yeah, around about another eight laps, I reckon. So, call that a quarter of an hour or so. Yeah. So we've still got the opportunity for that uh, gap to contend considerably before they have to think about coming in. They, they may well be in third place start. by the time they do come in. Yes, very well if Bone is going. Although, last time around, very little to choose between the two lap times for the two Porsches. Cugno doing a 1 minute 49.497, whereas Bone doing a 149.457, just four hundredths of a second separating the two of them on the most recent lap. Yes, I think I might have just chosen a slightly off lap for Cugno because he will have been stuck in traffic, actually, because 152 looks to be a very slow lap for the Frenchman, and he's more likely to do a mid-149, maybe a 1 minute 50 here and there. So perhaps Cugno and Bona nicely and evenly paced right now. We'll wait well, and see. Malicelli, I reckon, is now right on the tail of Ralph Bone. OK. When we come around at the end of this lap, it may well be that Malicelli's put the lap on the Porsche. Um, here they come. Here comes, just coming out of the final turn at the moment, is uh, Cugno. And he will stay out for another lap. The number 24 golf car that goes past now. And where is Malicelli or is it Ralph Bone? It is absolutely, I mean, you don't even get a light across the start finish line. There's a very dim light across the start finish line. Yeah, Malicelli's gone through. So Malicelli now has a lap on uh, Ralph Bone. Uh, and there was another leading car involved there as well with that little group. Um, I just wonder if that was the. 15 car that is right with them. 15, the uh, Top Sport WRT yeah. Mercedes, yeah, which so had a brake change not too long ago. Yes, out of, uh, is now in fifth, uh, in seventh place with Nikolai Rogivu at the wheel. And yeah, Malicelli has just gone past that car as well. So uh, there's a little bunch there of uh, four cars circulating pretty close together headed by Cugno, then it's Malicelli. This is in their order on the road. Then it's Malicelli, and then uh, it's Renauer, and behind uh, Renauer, Ren, um, no, ahead of Renauer is the top sport Mercedes. So, yeah, fast cars very close together on the circuit. So the 24 car in second, Ralph Bone trying to get as close as he can to it, the 15 machine, yes, right in front, as you say, of Rogivu. Uh, the Rogivu car is 
the number 11 machine, but they are virtually neck and neck. As now through the final corner at Galp, turn 15, which goes on and on and on, but very important corner onto a long straight, comes the 24 car. So Cunha over the line. That lap time was a 1.48, so again, better. And Ralph Bone, I think, is now stuck in the same sort of traffic because he did a 152.6 last time around. This yeah, lap might be a bit better, though. Yeah, that was the lap on which he was lapped by Malucelli, so that was why it was a slower lap for yeah, him. Stepping and, aside, I see. And just ahead, it actually, is the leading TCR class car, um, the Carrie Pekelaxeron car, number 131. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, I describe it as clumping that occasionally happens at night, where you get all the fast cars together. Uh, and keeping together, although um, the 131 isn't going to be able to uh, keep up with the GT3 cars, but uh, is in the same bit of tarmac as the overall race leader. So the 91 car of Ralph Bone just heading into the hairpin at turn five. Got an awful lot of traffic now ahead of it again, so that's going to take a fairly long time to work his way past. And I think he's going to lose a bit more time on the second-place car of Alex Cugno. David Perrell still ticking off the laps in car 22, just coming through turn 15 now. And Nicola Manassian being put into the number 17 car for Edex Sport Racing. So we wondered where the bulk of Manassian's stints might come. I think now possibly Manassian the only platinum in the entry. We've got lots of golds, but uh, and gold and platinum are listed as just pro drivers by the 24-hour series. But just off the top of my head, I can't think of any other drivers that might be platinums. Malicelli? Malicelli is a gold, I think. But um, I'll have to check that. Pedro Lamy would be my other oh, suggestion. Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, good shout. Absolutely, Lamy. Uh, questions about Malicelli, only because, I mean, the thing that bumps you up to a platinum is winning a world championship generally, isn't it? Is that the rule? Oh, I've forgotten. Yeah, um, I, I don't think or, it's a consistent rule either. It is a consistent rule. Okay. Um, but That's better than I thought. Um, it, I don't think it, you don't have to win a world championship, but you do have to have uh, competed in a number of world championship level events. I think um, if you've started a Formula One Grand Prix, you're automatically example, a platinum, yes, aren't you? Yeah, you yeah, but yes, you don't have right. to have won a Grand Prix. No, yeah. exactly. Uh, my other suggestion of platinum would be Maxi Buk um, in the 500 Mercedes. Maxi is a platinum, yes. Blimey, you know your uh, you know your precious metals, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Malicelli is a gold, though. Uh, but yeah, okay. okay, we've got we've got three platinums then at the very least. Any advance on three? Do get in touch. <laughs> at RSL underscore studio. But there's an indication of the sort of talent that's on show this weekend at the Portimao. 24 hours, powered by Hankook. This is round four of the European season after Mugello and Spa and the Bruneau race in the Czech Republic. They were all 12-hour races, but this is now upping the ante to a certain extent with two 24-hour races, one here at the Algarve International Circuit and one at Circuit to Barcelona in Spain, obviously. And I, I think the other aspect to it, Johnny, is that not only does it up the ante in terms of it being 24 hours rather than 12, but it doesn't have a pause. It doesn't have that intervention that the 12-hour races have. Uh, you know, the three that we had in Mugello, in Spa and at Bruneau were all 
uh, I was going to say X plus Y, they were either 3 plus 9 or 4 plus 8 uh, hour races. And even though there is that intervention where you can't work on the car, you just leave it out on the, uh, on the grid, um, it does mean that there is that kind of downtime and less of a sense of endurance about the thing. Um, so, you know, you, you get to the end of the 12 hours, yes, but, you know, you've had a good night's sleep the night before, uh, you get, uh, and then it's only a nine-hour event before you get another uh, good night's sleep. So it's not quite such a feat of endurance for um, the personnel, even if the, uh, the poor machinery has to do roughly the same amount of hard work. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there is something about 24-hour uh, racing, this kind of idea of going all through the night. You know, it's the machinery which can't afford to stop. You know, you have to push on as hard as you can. And, uh, you know, there's uh, just no break at all in the, in the pressure. Uh, speaking of cars not being able to be affording to stop, uh, the 93 car of Hans Fairman is starting to stop or at least not going as fast as, it, fast as it should do. This is the 93 car that, remember, was the pole sitter uh, earlier on today. And Klaus Backler has only done a double stint in this car. Um, the other drivers that make up the quintet in 93 are doing the lion's share of uh, the driving for the time being. And Hans Fehrmann, uh, now having to nurse that car to the end of this lap, I would be surprised to see it uh, veering right at the end of the lap into the pit lane, right in all the pickup areas as well. But I don't think that'll be a concern because these tyres are probably going to be changed anyway on this in-lap. And he's deliberately staying offline so as not to affect other people's other people's race. There's only 13 laps into his stint, and uh, by rights they should be doing at least 30 so uh, not even halfway into the, the stint. So uh, it's not a fuel problem, mm. but it certainly is a problem. So touring its way through the left-hander now up to 13 at the top of another incline. Then he'll head along the short straight between 13 and 14. And uh, headlights glaring, an indication of how brightly headlights are in the rearview mirrors of everyone out there. I mean, you're constantly being blinded, and it's very difficult to know what type of car is trying to get through, whether it's a car in your class that you need to fight, or one which is much, much faster than yours. For example, if you're driving a TCR car, you're getting swamped by GT3s virtually every corner. Um, anyway, the car is virtually at the end of the lap, and obviously Herbert Motorsport preparing themselves to receive this car. They've got three cars here this weekend, so it's always going to be busy, uh, but this is something they don't like to see, a car coming in well short of its allocated pit time, or its stint length, I should say, and that car now in ninth position. Joe is positioned perfectly at Herbert Motorsport, ready to see this car in and it has appeared now at the end of the pit lane, Joe. Yeah, Corin, the, the team were well aware of the uh, the car going slowly. I think it's Stefan Oust that's getting... No, it's not. Hang on, stand by. Fairman. No, into the car, I think oh, Joe's going right. no, okay, to... Getting into yes. the car, yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah, Stefan Oust that's getting ready. It might be Klaus. He's on the other side of the car. The car has made it back. That's Backler. I'm sure it's, that's Klaus uh, Backler. I'm trying to see what the problem is and why it's going right hand side tyres are fully inflated left rear is fully inflated left front is fully inflated so still no clue as to why the car's going slowly 
It's uh, Buckler that's getting into the car. You're right, JP. And it's looking to me as though we're about to release the car, which is a bit of an oddity. Unless he had a suspect puncture or something. Car's off the jacks. And it fires up. And away it goes. So, hmm. crawled back in here, didn't it? It did. Um, there's quite... Ah, it's you guys. It's got a puncture. That's why he crawled back in. That looks like a left rear puncture. That uh, is well down. Oh, it's well down. I was just about to suggest, was it, was it just air just creeping out of a very I, slight I, I hole? I think what but... it was, JP, it had gone up on the jack, so the car... Uh, the, the, the outer sidewall looked completely yeah, intact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, when they turned the tyre over, I could see that the, uh, the inner sidewall was completely destroyed. It's uh, completely... It's, um, it's, it's covered in pickup, because obviously he's, he's crawling back at a slow speed, so the tyre the is covered in pickup, but it's the... Let me just see if I can sneak in there and see. No, no, the inner sidewall's fine. It is fine. It's, it's inflated. It's not a puncture. Oh. I stand corrected. Yeah, do you know what that is? That's just the, the layer of pickup that he's yeah, got. Because because yeah. Vehrman was, deliberately, as I say, deliberately offline because he didn't want to affect other people and hold them up. So uh, he went out into the marbles and it actually looks like, like a puncture because it's like an extra layer of rubber which has now attached itself. But, uh, but there's that, a lot of head I, scratching going on, isn't I there? Wonder if he's that, I wonder if that amount of pickup on that tyre has caused him some concern. Um, when he gets his helmet off, I'll be able to have a word with him. Um, Hans just going to the back of the garage. We'll give him a... Let me just see if I can dive in and, and see if he's... going to hurry up and get his helmet off so he can tell us. I, I would be surprised if he was running around with that amount of pickup prior to the, the off-track route that he took into the pit lane, but it might be a vibration which felt like a puncture, of course. Edward, Edward Lewis Browner is standing there as well. He's uh, another yeah. one of the, the team Guys, members. I've got the answer. Okay. Exactly what we thought. He, uh, he, he thought it was a puncture, um, but it was just picked up. And you could see there was a massive amount of pickup there. And that was on the rear wheel. And that's the driving wheels. And I don't know how that tyre hasn't scrubbed that off, but it didn't. It was bonded to the tyre, and that's caused a, a massive vibration what's gone through the car, probably. And he yeah. thought it was a puncture was that bad. That's why he did a very good job of bringing the car back slowly. But it's obviously lost a little bit of time there in the 93. Yes. Yeah, they've, they've lost a place in the overall positions, but only, uh, only in inverted commas, to the 500 Mercedes, the uh, SP4 class. Uh, Mercedes AMG Evo, which uh, Maxi Book is still flinging around the uh, place, but uh, say it was uh, a, a slow in lap uh, and a rather short stint for Hans Wehrmann. Um, but now with Klaus Bachler behind the wheel and a full tank of fuel aboard, um, we'll see some uh, quicker laps. And the next car in is going to be, or it is already, in fact, Maxi Book coming into the pits to. Uh, hand the number 500 over. We missed Charlie Putman getting into that car, by the way. He did a stint before Maxi Boot got in, so I'm quite sure why I missed that happening. But uh, Charlie uh, did uh, a stint in the car from uh, about 11 o'clock, no, about 10 o'clock till 11, uh, and now Maxi Boot has done the last hour uh, behind the wheel of the 500. So 
all five drivers have had a go at the wheel of the 500 Mercedes, which is now back in the pits again with Maxi Boot, possibly staying behind the wheel. Joe will be able to tell us. And a change, Joe, for second place out on the track because Cunha's pitted and uh, Ralph Bone into second place in the 91. But what were they doing at the uh, GPX racing uh, well, we, garage? We at CG and I were plotted up at uh, GPX because they've been preparing to do a brake service on that number 24 Porsche. And then we were dragged away with that uh, issue with the 93. And as I made my way back to GBX, the 24 car, car, the 24 car has gone up the pit lane, having had that service. And I'm just now at the GBX garage and I can see the, uh, the old discs and pads in the metal trays having been done. So that uh, brake service is uh, being completed. And we've got a change of driver as Alex has got out. Alex Conyu has got out of the car, and I think that was uh, Jordan Groger that's got in because Nicky Pastorelli is stood at the back of the garage. So it's Jordan Groger who's taken over the 24. Thank you. Good bit of deduction there. Uh, so the man from Johannesburg taking charge once again. Groger putting in some very impressive stints earlier on, and Pastorelli following suit, really, which really got that 24 car. Uh, back in the mixture. I mean, they, they were swinging back and forth at the start of the race. Alex Cugno took a while then to do his first stint, and we've just had another one from the Frenchman. Cugno stepping out and just chatting to uh, Pastorelli now. So, the yes, uh, I would agree that, um, unless Valentini's got him, but we expect him to do the daylight hours tomorrow, in actual fact. Sorry, Paul. No, I just think it will be a useful uh, little... Um bellwether this to see how quick a brake change can be done on one of the leading cars because you can be sure that GPX have got all the latest equipment for uh, brake changes and still waiting for the fuel to go into the car so we can have an overall uh, pit uh, stop window for a brake change and that will then uh, give us a guide as to as and when that same stop equivalent stop to do brakes uh, were they just front brakes uh, Joe on the GPX car Dis discs and pads change presumably altogether seeming Joe will uh, confirm that it was just the two sets that he saw being taken off I'm sure he will uh, he'll, uh, right. He might be eating, eating more pastries. But he'll get an answer to us eventually. He's on his way, importantly, is uh, Jordan Groger. And so he's got all the fuel on board. The overall time for the pit stop, just a whisker under five minutes. Uh, a normal pit stop will be usually under four minutes. So uh, about a minute uh, taken to do uh, an entire disc and brake pad change. I can only imagine that they just did the fronts, assuming that they did the two yeah. uh, simultaneously. Still very impressive, and uh, Jordan Groger rejoining in third position then behind Ralph Bone, who is set to stream across the line now in the second-placed Herbert Porsche. The gap is nearly two minutes now, and that means he's ten seconds away from being on the lead lap, effectively, or uh, catching Matteo Malicelli, or rather not catching him because Malicelli is lapping more quickly. And that means that for the first time, the whole field is a lap behind. So Matteo Malicelli with a lap and advantage on the second place car now, uh, having put a lap on Ralph Bone and uh, the number 24 car having come into the pits uh, for Cugno to hand over to Grogor. It means that uh, I'm 
until we get Matteo Malicelli coming into the pits for his routine stop, uh, he has a lap of an advantage on the field. And that uh, is always uh, kind of one of those moments that you kind of say, OK, that's a significant advantage. And no sooner will Matteo be in than so will Ralph Bone. So even after his pit stop, there will still be this lap of a difference between the two of them. Uh, you already mentioned Klaus Backler has the fastest lap of the race. Did he take that quite early on? Uh, yes, it was on lap four, I think. Was it? Okay. Um, I was going to say it wouldn't be funny if it was lap four, because do you remember back to Le Mans when uh, Mike Conway yes. said the fastest lap of a 24-hour race on lap four? On lap four. Now, was... I, I get why that happens, because they haven't yet hit traffic at that point, but um, sometimes you have that uh, magic um, happy hour early in the morning when conditions are ideal for race engines. It never well, we, happened at Le Mans. We did have the golden hour this evening, uh, yeah. just before it went dark, when quite a few cars set their fastest lap. Um, I, shall, uh, I shall remember the interview that, uh, uh, no, what I can't remember was whether it was Di or Joe, uh, did with Shane Lewis. Um, it was you, was it, Di? Um, but, uh, I mean, what a happy chappy he was. He was fantastic. It's um, so good to have so much enthusiasm and just see the genuine, you know, delight getting out of the car with a big smile on his face, really happy that he'd achieved what he wanted to achieve and great teamwork. And, and just happy to um, be driving a fast car yeah. around a super racetrack. You know, it makes you realise what, uh, you know, one of the reasons why we do all this is that uh, ultimately the drivers are out there having fun. But, uh, yeah, so there was that period when it was just going dark. As, as Shane said, it was the best time to be, uh, be there. The other opportunity is going to be uh, at around 6 o'clock tomorrow morning when it starts getting light. Um, the uh, sunrise scheduled for 20 past 6. So from about 6 o'clock onwards, there'll be a bit of hi a hint of light in the sky. And then up until about 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning, it's going to be as cold as it's going to get overnight. Um, and then uh, the track hopefully will have rubbered in nicely. Hopefully there won't be too much debris around. Uh, and I won't say hopefully there'll be some less cars around because I don't want to uh, wish that on anyone. But uh, if there have been some uh, casualties during the night, there'll be less traffic to uh, get in the way of some fast laps. The second fastest lap of the race has just been set. Oh, wow. Guess by who? Klaus Backler. Correct. Hooray. <laughs> it's a 145.4. 7-7. Fantastic. And he did a 145.0 on lap four, and he could be even quicker on this lap in the number 93 Herbert Motorsport Porsche. It's an A6 Am entered car, remember, but he's just done a 33 dead through the first sector. It's a 33.4 through the middle sector. My money's on the fastest lap of the race now, in fact. Can we and have uh, Klaus in the car for the rest of the night, please? You, keep, you'll have keep, been waiting for this stint. That'll, that'll keep me awake. For hours, haven't you? <laughs> Uh, with good with good reason, um, might I say. So, uh, yeah, I mean, see, how, and the other thing to watch is going to how far up the order he's going to be able to get that Herbert Porsche because uh, that car was leading the way in A6AM. Um, it's now slipped back to third in A6AM, but as I say, that's largely because Klaus has only done one two-hour stint, um, all right, in two shifts, um, or one two-hour shift in two stints. Um, and uh, so he's... Uh, how far behind is you know he's over a lap behind in fact it's two laps behind the uh, Toxport WRT Mercedes so um, as uh, Johnny and I um, take their leave 
bets now, please, for how far up the order the uh, number 93 Porsche is going to be by the time you come back in the morning. Uh, we didn't quite get the fastest lap of the race, but he's only two tenths off on that lap was Backlet, a 145.2. And of course, he's going even quicker on this one as well. So fun and games, I reckon, for the next uh, 15 or 20 minutes for the young uh, Austrian. Anyway, this is how we sit then after 12 hours of running at a minute past midnight. It's the Bohemia Energy Racing with Scuderia Praha Ferrari that leads the way from the number 91 Herbert Motorsport Porsche uh, at the moment being driven by Ralph Bone. It's Maliacelli in the Ferrari. Third is the GPX Racing Porsche at number 24 of Jordan Groger and third in A6 Pro. And fourth in that category and overall in the GT Series race is the Edex Sport Mercedes number 17. Wolkenspiegel Team Monschau number 22 Ferrari is fifth, ahead of the A6 Am leader, the CP Racing Mercedes number 85. That leads the Top Sport WRT Mercedes, which is second in class, and third in the A6 Am division, the Herbert Motorsport number 93 Porsche, which is going incredibly rapidly, as we've mentioned. SP4, only one car in that this weekend. That's the brand new Mercedes, number 500, is in ninth place. And then the classes can be found outside the top 10 in the GT series. The class leader in the 991 division is Duvo Racing still, number 909. In GT4, it's the 50, Hoffer Racing by Bont Motorsport BMW. SPX class leader is still the Leipert Motorsport Mercedes, number 710. And then second in the 991s, it's Porsche Lorient Racing. MRS GT Racing third. Th uh, second in GT4 is Park Algar Racing. Uh, another SPX car is the Coroiser Mark II, very nearly involved in a nasty incident at Turn 1. It was off track briefly in the gravel, but nowhere near as badly as the 454 QSR uh, racing score Mercedes, which now props up the field. But the two Aston Martins running 19th and 20th, they're both GT4 cars for Pro Sport and for Team Virage, respectively. 21st position, then, is still the car, sadly, that sits in the pit lane and in the garage being worked on. I'm wondering whether QSR have actually called that a night now, the car 454. We will find out in maybe a few hours' time. The TCE series is led by Carrie Pekka Laxonen in the top car sport by Baz Kooten Cooper. That's car number 131. Second in that division is the Autorama Motorsport by Wolf Power Racing. Uh, and their Volkswagen Golf has had a terrific run of top two finishes so far. Along the way, three wins. Could it yet win this race? Well, it's got three laps to try and reel back in that top car, Cupra, and making it a third different manufacturer in the top three. It's the Audi from AC Motorsport, number 188, third, ahead of the Red Camel Jordan's Cupra. The Nordschleife Racing Peugeot, number 172, is fifth. And then the two Class A3 runners, but one of them remains in the race. The other one's in the garage. So that's the Synchro Motorsport Honda that leads the class. He's winning the class by a massive margin, many, many hours, in fact. And the Hoffer Racing by Bont Motorsport BMW still sits uh, in uh, the garage. No, no, it is going again. It's just this This is a routine stop for Fine. it. Fine. OK, so it just happens to be in the pits. At the moment, yeah. No, it is uh, running but now. But that was after something like a five-hour pit stop, yeah. wasn't it, yeah. to uh, fix for the turbo. So, how to um, remind you of a 12-hour race in the space of about 90 seconds? I'll do my very best, because we started in full sunshine and great heat as well. Uh, and actually, yes, uh, this was as the sun was going down, the number 11 Ferrari coming in for one of its uh, metronomic pit stops. They've barely missed a beat of... Bohemia Energy Racing. Apart from that unsafe release, the moment where the 454 
QSR Racing School, Mercedes left the track, was very, very frightening. Jimmy De Broca desperate for marshals to get on the scene to extinguish a fire on the front left corner, which quickly took hold on the nose of that car and thankfully the marshals with two extinguishers uh, managing to get that out very very quickly but it left fluid on the track at turn one that needed to be mopped up the garage door for 454 came down and that was a sorry sight and the car has not rejoined the race yet there was also a problem for the 34 Audi, which had electrical gremlins, but uh, the 34 car collection crew rectified that. Ingo Vogler is currently at the wheel of the machine. The 85 CP Racing Mercedes leads the A6 AM division. Again, after they've had uh, a very reliable race up until this point, touch wood, and some good stints as well from all four of their drivers, welcoming back Shane Lewis to the driver lineup. And then many teams just trying to pass the time, really, hopeful that their cars won't appear on pit lane ahead of time. But we've seen uh, uh, games with water bottles and trying to get them uh, on their end correctly. We've seen. Uh, Mechanics being wheeled around the garage doing races on dolly jacks. A moment between two Porsches very nearly. That's the moment with the dolly jacks. Uh, but when Nicky Pastorelli spun across the nose of the 9-1-1 car, that was a frightening moment. But thankfully, those cars avoided contact. The scene then at the Algarve International Circuit as we go into Sunday morning. And the first half of the race is finally done for these teams but they're not going to see daylight again until 20 past six tomorrow or this morning we can say now sunday morning and even at that point we'll have a little under six hours of the race still to go as far as the commentary is concerned we're going to take a bit of a break now until eight o'clock tomorrow morning but the live stream still there on radio-show.co.uk and other places too there's going to be a variety of some locked off camera shots and also some on boards too the ticker will remain and that will stay up to date giving you the the positions of the cars in the gt series and the tce series races and uh, also, don't forget, at Paul Trusswell as a Twitter feed because uh, there may well be some updates from the pit lane as far as Paul's concerned when he goes to chat to one or two of the teams in the early hours. And we will recommence our full coverage in uh, just under eight hours' time then, from eight o'clock through to the finish, of course, and then all the podiums and the post-race driver interviews as well. So plenty more to come here on RS1 and RS3. But for the moment, we bid you a good night and we'll speak to you in the morning. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.